Welcome everyone to the Two Tongues Podcast. Consider this your invitation to join Kyle and Chris on a journey through our minds. Where we explore the questions that have fascinated us for as long as we can remember. Could anarchy actually work? Does God exist? And just how did the cosmos get here anyway? Let me be the Virgil to your Dante, the Sacagawea to your Lewis and Clark. Let's take the guided tour through the dark chambers of our unconscious, seeking answers to the most important and unsettled questions of our shared existence. Ready or not, here we go. <coughs> da, da. Da, 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 da. We should, uh, we should, what like, is up, acapella the intro one time, you know? Yeah, we, we should, like, practice it for, like, weeks and weeks yeah, and just yeah. nail it. <laughs> nail it like one of those flash mob situations. Yeah. Oh, we'll call it a pod mob, and it'll just pod be mob. you and me. Yep. Only impressing ourselves. Speaking, I would be impressed, though. I think pod mob is pretty cool. I'm going to trademark that immediately. Also, Change the name of our podcast to pod mob. Pod mob, yeah. yeah. I, I do refer to this as the pod cave. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I'm the first to come up with that little Probably not, gem, but, but the pod cave, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. This is the pod cave. It definitely seems like a cave. It's, I mean, it doesn't really seem like a cave. It seems like a room. It seems like a pretty nice finished room. That's true. But as soon as you step out of it, you're definitely in a cave. It's more cave-like it's out more there. It's more cave-like out yeah. there in the basement. Yeah. <laughs> wood floor. Or no, not wood floors in here, but Did you stone get- floors. Yeah. Hey, let me ask you this question. Did you get your driver's license renewed and all that? I did. Got yeah. that taken care of? I went and talked to the fucking cops. I had to go do it, and then I had to come back to the police station here in this city. You did? To let them to know show that them I did pr- it. proof yeah, of it? Fucking pricks. Did they make you say you were sorry? No. No. They were actually pretty nice about it, but... How long did all that take at the BMV? Mm, I went early, so it was not that bad. There wasn't I was a there line? For, I was, uh, there was a line, amazingly, because I was there like pretty fucking early, yeah. and amazingly there was still yeah. a line, but they, they got me through pretty quick, so that's good. Yeah. So um, you once recently posted a picture of this giant, disgusting tick that was on your dog's neck. Yeah. Was it neck? Yeah. Uh, it was his back. His back? Yeah. And it was so swollen, uh, and it was Huge. disgusting looking. I showed my wife the picture on Twitter, and she's like, you know, instantly, like, get that thing away. And it reminds me of her mom, because uh, because my wife's mom was afraid of, like, like a mouse, right? Mm. If there was a mouse, she was terrified. But you could replace that mouse with, like, a, like a toad. Equally terrified. Yeah, <laughs> Equally yeah. terrified, you know? That's funny. Toads don't move fast, so they don't, like, frighten you as much, but... But her mom was no nope. didn't like that equally thing. equally disgusting creatures. Yeah, no, I love I love animals, but bugs. I draw the line at bugs. You know, you don't get like too friendly and cuddly with insects. Some people do, and they're weird, yeah, man. I agree. I think there's something Being probably sociopaths. <laughs> there's something probably good about like getting over your fear if you're like afraid of spiders or snakes. Yeah, I'm not afraid of them really. Like I I could let a tarantula tarantula crawl on me. I I, I wouldn't. You know, freak out, but yeah, I probably could too. But if if I don't want to, if there's a little spider that I have to kill, yeah, I want you to know, Kyle, that I use seventeen thousand times as as much force as necessary to kill <laughs> yeah, that yeah. thing because I want to be absolutely sure it's not moving after I you know lift my hand up. Yeah, because if it is, see, you're more hostile 
Well, even I am. Uh, I'm not hostile. I just don't like them. You know, <clears throat> I don't want a pet spider. I don't understand why anybody wants a pet fucking spider. You're weird. You remember Brandon used to have pet rats? I, I'm, I'm on board with that. I actually like rats, man. Pet rats? Yeah, yeah. I, I love little... I just love animals, man. Isn't that funny, man? Because rodents are so effing cute. Yeah. They got the cutest little faces. But we... And it, we, can, we can go into the pet shop and go, oh, did you little Bobo do? But as soon as one of those little fucks shows their yeah, head at my house, true. it's like, you're dead, It's sir. like a different species, even though it's the same species. Isn't that weird, man? It's weird. Weird. Um, it's like when that baby mouse, when I had that encounter with the baby mouse, and I couldn't bring myself to kill it. Um, but I doomed it to an even worse demise because I was too much of a pussy. Yeah. Uh, man, I feel I still feel bad about that. Fucking and I, Holocaust I, I do that feel mouse. bad about killing bugs in the house yeah. more and more, especially after I had that mystic experience. I feel worse about it because yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm killing God. Uh, but the thing is, I rationalize it this way. If you cross the threshold of my kingdom, if you come into my house, all bets are off. You're an intruder and you will die. And I tell myself, you know, like, oh, it's not... It's not healthy to have these like a f- to allow this fly to buzz around because it's going to land on the kid's food. Might lay some eggs. Yeah. What What's the spider doing? What if it bites one of my kids? You know. Mm-hmm. So I just have to preemptively strike those fucks. So you know, one of the worst, like what what kind of bugs freak you out the most? Like if you see them, you're just like, oh fuck no. You know what? It, it, so it's funny because the answer to that popped in my head before I even had a chance to think about it. And when it did, I was questioning whether I really believe that, but a centipede came to mind. How centipedes, the little, like, long-legged, move really fast? Those things, or maybe silverfish? Yeah, yeah. They're so gross alien creatures, man. (laughs) How centipedes is the answer for a lot of people. Really? Um, But they are actually one of the... They eat, like, everything. They're, like, really good hunters, and they'll fucking eat every other bug in your house. But nobody wants them, you know, because they look so... Just nightmarish. They're nightmarish. Have you know those little tiny red? Um, I, I always have thought they were spiders, but I don't have. Maybe they're a mite. They're a mite, probably. But there's the really tiny ones. You see, you see them on tree limbs sometimes. Yeah, you see, that's you know, a mite. They're, but they're so small. And anyway, every now and then I'll see one of them on the um, in my back room on the ledge. You know, yeah. I'll see them crawling in there, and I think to myself. That wood is rotten on the other side. It's just full of a whole kingdom of mites. And every now and then they send out a they send out a, a scouting party. A scouting party. Yeah. So I don't know if that's the truth or not, but it's it's one of my it's one of my worries. The subconscious house, worries. That like the beams of the house are just all mites. It's all mites. Being yeah. held up by mites. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that would suck. It's not good. The reason I brought up the tick on uh, on Paxton, Paxton. Is, is because Paxton. is because. Uh, uh, because you were you were tardy coming to the podcast today, yeah. because, oh, because I, your dog had an issue. So let's I actually it. woke up yesterday morning uh, and I didn't notice it, uh, but I went to get some coffee and I came back and I noticed him pawing at his face and he does that, so I really didn't think anything of it. But um, he he like yelped and like whined when he was doing it. So then I was like, okay, let me look at you. And his eyes like he looks like Rocky, you know, oh, no. it's all closed. Um, so I, you know, I'm like freaking out and I was like, you know, I'm going to see how it goes. If it's better, if it's starting to get better by tomorrow, maybe I won't take him to the vet. I'll just see if it goes away. And I'm still like back and forth because sometimes it it looks worse than others. And it's not even like hours in between. Like it's weird, man. Sometimes it looks open and sometimes it's like closed. Uh, so I just don't know what the fuck to do. I'm probably going to have to take him to the vet. That sucks, man. I, I, if it were me, I mean, I, Obviously, probably Google it, but if it were me, I would think I, I would think 
getting like a like a warm rag I've of been water and hold it to yeah. his eye. <clears throat> see if you can flush whatever it might be in there. The other thing is look online and see what kind of antihistamines if if you're allowed to give dogs yeah. antihistamines. Yeah, I've been given in Benadryl. <clears throat> you can't you can give them Benadryl. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. That would be that's the only thought that comes to my mind. But so, if, the, if the Benadryl in the water doesn't help, then yeah, yeah. I mean, I just don't know how much time to give it. Like, I, I guess eye issues are like something that you don't want to fuck around mm. with with dogs. Um, and it sucks. Cause I just got this new job, you know. I start start tomorrow, mm. um, so I guess I'm gonna have to try to make like a let late vet appointment. Oh yeah, geez. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how it goes. It sucks, man. Mm. I uh, I can't. When I finally have kids, man, I'm just going to be a fucking paranoid wreck because I love this dog so much that mm. I'm, like, freaked out, you know? I'm, like, so worried about him. And, like, not only am I worried about him, but I hate that he's, like, not okay, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and it just drives me nuts, man. I just can't imagine having kids. Yeah, that's 100%, 100% on point, man. I, I had to take my oldest daughter to uh, get fillings, get cavities mm -hmm. filled. She had two little cavities, and uh, she had two before um, so this is the second time she said have have to have cavities filled. Uh, they're baby teeth and all that, but like she's not supposed to lose them. They're yeah. like towards the back. She's not supposed to lose them for a while. So we went in there to get them filled, and uh, they give them laughing gas. The kids they give them nitrous, whatever it is, rather ra rather than shooting them with a needle, you know. And then they have a special tool that they use for filling the cavities. That is, uh, it's weird, man. I was like kind of paying attention because I'm sitting there by her feet, right? I'm holding her hand. I'm telling you all this because I'm watching my daughter with all this shit shoved in her mouth and the <laughs> suction and yeah. the noise and she doesn't know what's going on. She, everything's freaking her out. She's so tense, you know, but she's being so good about it. She's just sitting there. She's letting it happen. You can you can hear that she's kind of like choking a little bit from time to time. We're like telling her to breathe through her nose and it's all, it's like, it's like she's being probed by aliens, yeah. you know, in, in a waking dream. And um, you have to sit there and watch your kid suffer through that and you know what it's like to get a cavity fill it sucks man it's, it's not fun it's not fun and uh uh it's terrible man and i'm the whole time it's going on i just want it to be over i just want to you know yeah it, it's like i can't imagine torturous man. to me I, I we talked about this when it happened but when pat ate all that sugar-free gum that is like potentially very bad for dogs luckily he's big so i in hindsight if i know what i knew now i wouldn't have even taken him to the vet um, but I did then and he had to stay there for 24 hours, but to get him to a point where they could like treat him, they had to like put him under and I was fucking crying like a baby. Man. Oh man. Uh, so I can't even imagine with kids, you know, like I probably would have been crying in that dentist's office. It's, I'm such a fucking bitch. No, well, yes and no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when, uh, when my brother's dog, uh, was having those seizures mm -hmm. and it was just like seizure after seizure after seizure. Uh, and we had to take it to the vet to have it put down. Um, when it's like, that was like my brother's child, basically. Yeah, yeah. And when uh, they put the dog down, it, they had they. I don't know why they would have done this, but they put us in the room right next to where it was happening. And when I, I don't know because I couldn't see what was going on. When the dog made this like cry, mm -hmm. um, I assume that was when they were putting the needle in the dog, maybe. Probably. Um, but we heard it. Yeah, and as soon as that happened, my brother just lost his fucking shit, man. Yeah, it dude. was so terrible to watch. Um, terrible. <laughs> so, Sad, sorry, man. Sorry, man. I wanted to tell you about the about the dental tools they were using. Yeah. So the whole time, my daughter's just breathing in nitrous oxide. You know, uh, 
she was got a little giggly, then she kind of started relaxing. I'm not like a hundred percent comfortable with that either, you know. Like a five year old is like for like twenty minutes just sitting there inhaling nitrous yeah, yeah. high high out of her little mind. I don't know how how I feel about that, but you know it wears off and all that seems to be fine. Um, anyway, they use this like high pressured water rather than a drill, mm. and it's it's weird, man. Like. I, and I don't know nothing about the tools, so I, I'm going to struggle to explain to you. But the idea is, like, you could see the water spraying out. She sprayed her hand so you could see, like, so so that my daughter could see that it wasn't it's a big deal. Like, fuck, yeah, but yeah. when she goes w- to work on her with the water, you can see a little light, like a little laser, a little red laser in the middle of the uh, water. And I have it's baffling. I don't know if it's the laser or the water that's actually digging out those cavities. But the, it's like, imagine the tiny little power washer. And they just blow below the fucking cavity off of her tooth. That's crazy. Yeah, that's so. That's how they did it with laughing gas and this little crazy laser water tool. Science, man. Science. Yeah. It's it's gay, but it's pretty cool sometimes too. You know. You know how people do like all kinds of weird tattoos, like scarification and shit like that. Yeah. Can you imagine getting one of those tattoos with one with one of those (laughs) one of those laser water yeah water tools? You could get a (laughs) tattoo of it. With it, it's like meta. That's stupid as hell. But you know. <laughs> I don't know why, but for some reason you were talking about scarification, and it just reminds me of like the type of people who do that, and those type of people listen to people like Marilyn Manson. You know, um, <laughs> yeah. you know. Have you heard what's going on with Marilyn Manson? Um, it's been a little while, but I do think I remember seeing him in the news not long ago. Uh, yeah. Was it like a Me Too situation? Yeah, pretty much. And uh, basically, the same thing that just happened with Johnny Depp and Amber Heard is yeah. going to happen with um, oh no, Marilyn Manson and Evan Rachel Wood. And Evan Rachel Wood? Yeah, you know her. Isn't she? Isn't she the one from uh, the actress from? Uh, yeah. From she's what, an actress. What was that movie? It's like some teeny bopper show. Yeah, but what? Well, but, Seventh Heaven or something like that. No, no, no. No man, let me look this. Let me look her up because I think I thought she was in like one of those. Um, show, come on, it was like one of those. She's in Westworld. I know that much, which Ooh. is a fucking great show. Oh, damn it! Hold on. Who was the guy that married Sarah Michelle Gellar? Freddie Prince Jr. Yeah, he, she was in a movie with Freddie Prince Jr. Oh, really? I thought a fucking huge movie. But may, maybe I'm confusing her with somebody else. What's her name now? Evan Rachel Wood. Evan is a weird name for a girl. All right, let me see. No, this is not the same chick that I was thinking of. Uh, not at all. Yeah. But oh yeah, I remember her from Westworld. She's a pretty girl. Yeah, she's the girl. Pretty. The girl I'm thinking of is, I think. Oh man, there's somebody listening to this going, "You schmuck." Who? who who's like this? That worked up about Evan Rachel Wood. No, no, no. It's because it's who I'm confusing her oh, for. Oh, I see. Uh, what's that, Freddie? Sarah Prince? Michelle Geller. Freddie Prince Jr. Hold on. My sister is probably like you, schmuck. You should know better. Um, let's see here. We go to the IMDb's. Rachel E. Cook. Rachel E. Cook. <laughs> so it's three. It's three yeah, names, and Rachel's three in name it. Lady. Yeah. What was the other one? Evan Rachel Wood. Yeah. Rachel E. Cook. You can see why I would make yeah, that mistake. Yeah, absolutely. And Easy. this is the one. Yeah, pretty girl. Um, oh, she's the girl. That's that movie with the "Kiss Me" song. Yes. Okay. What, what's the movie called? Um, what a woman wants. <laughs> oh come on, <sighs> shit, man! I don't remember. Ugly. There it is. She's all that. She's all that. She's all that. Freddie Prince. That's what I mean. I was like, gonna say, ugly girl gets pretty. That's. 
<laughs> that's one of those iconic movies from when we were teenagers. So that's why I'm. That's why I'm. Well, you know, I say iconic, yeah. but I mean pop culture wise, not like like not good. that we gave not that we gave a shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Rachel Lee Cook, Jesus Christ! But she's uh, yeah, I do remember her. Yeah, uh, but yeah, everything that just happened with Rachel or, or now I'm fucking everything up. Amber Heard <laughs> and Johnny Depp is gonna happen again with Marilyn Manson and Evan Rachel Wood, except. So Marilyn Manson, obviously Marilyn, you look at Marilyn Manson and like examine his career, you know, he's fucking weird, you know, like he's not a normal person. Right. Um, And I just don't understand how he's going to come out of this looking, you know, looking good. I mean, uh, it's fucked. The stuff is fucked up, man. He should just admit to it all and like not even apologize. It depends on how bad it is. No, it's bad. It's bad. (laughs) Oh, God. Um, yeah, it's very bad. So I don't want to derail you, but I do want to mention that Evan Rachel Wood is a beautiful woman. Mm-hmm. And uh, who's that other chick that in the in the 90s that he was with uh, from... Uh, He's been with quite a few people. That um, brunette. She's gorgeous. Rose McGowan. Rose McGowan. Yeah. How in the world? How? I don't care if he's a rock legend. Well, how in it. the world? I mean, whether he, you care or not, that's it. How in the world? Does a yeah. schlub like that with no neck, and he must have a hog like a champion stallion. He probably does. He's like skinny, you know. He's yeah, like a, the, yeah, yeah. He's like skinny and lanky. Yeah, so he's, he's, he's dog, his dog. His probably lanky. I said limps, limbs. So yeah, um, yeah. I could see him having a. But even, but even still, man, how do you get past it? He's he looks like a. He just got bad genes, man. He's just got bad genes, and I think a, a woman picks up on that like. Through pheromones, like I don't want any part of this dude. But yeah, those... but you know what else they pick up on? Money, money, and success, and and lanky dogs. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I suppose they have the sixth sense about those sorts of things. Yeah, um, and you know, a, a, a combination of enough of those can overcome the other ones. You know, yeah, it's a point system. Um, but then you start dating him, and he's a you know a fucking psycho, dude. So yeah, what are they saying? What are the allegations? So. Her allegations are that he was abusive, like physically and emotionally and mentally abusive, um, and like like pretty badly too. Mm. Um, and one of them is that uh, she was in a music video of his called Heart Shaped Glasses, and they had like a simulated sex scene, but he actually had sex with her. Um, she never like agreed to it. I mean... They were dating on on, ca- scene, on camera, on, yeah, on the in the music mm. video. Um, so that's I mean that's like a technically a count of rape. Yeah, but let's pump the brakes on that for a second. Let's examine that situation. So in a situation where they're doing a simulated sex scene and there's cameraman and people around and all that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. and you start to actually have sex, I can't imagine I can't imagine a situation where it would be easier to stop them. All you have to do is say, "Wait a tick." Yeah, you would think so, right? I mean, I'm with you that I think if a person is, like, in their right mind, they'd just be like, just roll over. And, you know, then, like, his dick is out. And I, I don't know. just Or just say, stop and yeah. somebody help. There's people around. What the hell? But that's the thing. Like, a lot of the stuff, like, um, I heard th- this one story where he was, like, being super physically abusive and, like, telling her, like, um... You know, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to, I'm going to like cut you into pieces. And then this guy right here is going to take you, Jesus. whatever his assistant's name is. He's going to bury you in the desert. Oh no. Uh, and the guy 
this this guy, this assistant or whatever, actually like came out and spoke out against Marilyn Manson. He was like, um, like as soon as he left the room, he like went over to him and was like, "I'm not going to do that. You know, don't worry." Um, but like <laughs> no, he's like do he's that. like one of the only people who did. You know, so a lot of these people, <laughs> yeah. they're on his payroll. They're just yeah, like you, you know, mean. they're like his little lackeys. Yeah. And one of the fucked up stories. Uh, this is not about Evan Rachel Wood, but this is just like. If this is what he's doing with other people, I don't have a hard time believing what Evan Rachel Wood says. And this is stuff that Marilyn Manson admits, by the way. Oh, wow. Um, like this deaf girl who was a fan of him, she would go to the concerts and she said that um, she couldn't hear the music, obviously, but she could feel it if she was like close to the stage. And yep. that's how she enjoyed the music. And they brought her backstage and they were like... This is so fucking weird. It's like, this is not even like sexual. It gets sexual, but this is not. It's just fucking weird and yeah. bizarre that him and the band were putting raw meat on her. Oh like, my God. Turning her into some kind of a raw meat sculpture. Jesus. Yeah. Weird as fuck. Um, and then they like, Marilyn, and this is what I'm saying about like, these people are his little lackeys and they just do whatever he said. He told two of his band members to scotch tape their penises together to see if they would both go into her mouth. Oh my God. God. Yeah. Uh, and then they all peed on her in the shower, and a few of them had sex with her. Yep. So let me just stop you right there. Let me ex examine this second situation. All that sounds very weird. In the court of public opinion, I'm already like, my eyes are getting big. I'm like, this guy's a nut. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but sure. this, is, this is the thing. Was, was it consensual? Because if it was, then it's nobody's fucking business. As weird as it is, as weird as it is, if that lady wanted it and it was all everyone was in agreement and I don't know maybe it wasn't See, the, but if it was yeah the problem is that like I think it maybe starts out as consensual um, and then at a certain point they aren't okay with it but they're too afraid to say that they're not okay with it but in that situation it's like I do feel bad for them, yeah, you know, but I also don't know what to do about it. It's you impossible. Know? You put yourself in that situation. That, that's partly partly true, but it's also impossible to tell whether somebody simply changes their mind after, after the fact. Yeah, it's like, you know what I mean. Yeah. That's that's rough. This is a bunch of fucked up shit, though. Another one was uh, he was talking about this trick that he would pull, where he would pour someone a giant glass of tequila. And then he would give himself like the same size glass of beer, but not tell them that it was beer. Mm. Uh, so these people, these girls would be like obliterated oh, drunk. Jesus. Yeah. Um, and then he talked about how they left one of the girls, because there was two girls, they left one of them in the bathtub. And he says like verbatim, I like basically I hope she's drowning in her own vomit. So that's fucked oh, up. Oh, Jesus, that's fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. And then him and Trent Reznor from uh, Nine Inch Nails yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm, take mm -hmm, the yeah. other girl into Trent Reznor's living room and start, like, you know, molesting her while she's passed out. Oh, no. Yeah. And uh, he's. So Trent, Trent Reznor got pulled into all this? Yeah. I don't think he's getting in trouble, except maybe through association a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but this is all in Marilyn Manson's book. This is not like girls coming out and accusing him. This is stuff that he's admitting to. Wow. He talks, and, you know, that same girl, those two girls, he's, like, talking about how they're, like, referring to them as, like, like fish women, like, porpoise woman or something like that, and, like, going into their vagina looking for caviar. It's, like, just bizarre fucking shit, man. Whoa. And, and he's, like, another situation, he's talking about this girl that he's trying to seduce, but he's telling her that he wants to kill her and shit like that. It's fucking weird, man. It is weird. 
it is weird, but there's nothing criminal about having weird kinks. And if you want to pretend that you're true, people do I'm like people do like murder play. Yeah, I know murder it's play. Weird, but it's not going to help his. It's not going to help his image in no. court. You know. Um, so, so, so to what degree do you think? To what degree do you think that, like, if you if you when you, when you're younger anyway, encounter somebody who treats um, a woman like that, either mm-hmm. physically abusive or mentally abusive. If you see a situation like that where the man, the woman is outclassing the man, me- meaning that he's dating somebody out of his league, sure. Which in the in the normal world would be the case w- with everybody that Marilyn Manson's ever dated, right? He, you know, they're w- those girls are way out of his league. Um, I, I that, don't that you would use those tactics, yeah. that, that abusive tactics to try to like yeah i think that's a correct the balance of power yeah 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 yeah, something like that Uh, and i think if you read these excerpts from his book you'll you'll see that that is clearly what he's doing Mm. um and just everything that i've heard evan rachel wood say um it seems like that's exactly what he was doing to her so his insecurities have turned him turned him into a monster yeah god man yeah um and another thing that's interesting is you, everything that just happened with Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Um, you know, that scenario, I think on some level it's good that Johnny Depp is like, no, you know, I'm not... Like, this always taking the woman's side shit is going to end. This is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, so on that level, I think it's good. But obviously in that scenario, Amber Heard's a psycho. You know, without question, Amber Heard is a fucking psychopath. Um, but Johnny Depp is obviously pretty fucking crazy too yeah, yep, you know yep. um so that's kind of how i felt about it at, you know throughout the whole trial and then after it ended that's pretty much how i felt but now that this is coming out and you take into consideration that johnny depp and marilyn manson are very good friends and marilyn manson is the godfather of johnny depp's kids oh i didn't know that that like i still think the same thing basically like i still think that they're both crazy and i just don't know that anyone was at fault you know um, but that does like recolor the way that I think about Johnny Depp. That's, to be perfectly frank with yeah, you, that is weird. You know what else is weird is if all that um, speculation about uh, Marilyn Manson be, be just being a weirdo and unattractive and all that, um, and having insecurities and and I mean, if you were coming from that that sort of bottom of the social ladder and found this avenue and found this shortcut to the top of the food chain that that he did you know mm-hmm. with his music and you know being weird uh, that just seems like a very very impossible situation for anybody to manage you know it's true um, but it's funny how somebody like Marilyn Manson who's a schlub could could end up becoming crazy because of their insecurities and somebody like Amber Heard who's the complete opposite side of the spectrum absolutely gorgeous yeah you know everything in life for her came easy and oh and you know always had I'm sure yeah um that she could she could end up equally crazy and equally fucked up as someone like Manson. Like what we need is everyone to be somewhere in the middle. Yeah. You know, the extremes are just dangerous. 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 I know a guy who went to high school with Marilyn Manson, supposedly. Yeah, he was from Ohio, right? Right? Yeah. Ohio. Yeah. yeah. Um and Trent Reznor actually has connections with Ohio too. I think he lived in a city right next door. Uh. For a little while. He wasn't born here or anything. Yeah. But. Yeah, there was a some yeah. other big bands from Ohio, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, there's yeah. some big ones. Dave Grohl was born in Ohio. Oh, the, the Black Keys too, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. A bunch. Akron. Um, you ever see? You ever go into like a warehouse and you see they have like the heaters hanging from the ceiling mm-hmm. and the brand of the heater is Resner? 
No, I never paid that close attention, but yeah, okay. It's, that, it's his family. That's interesting, yeah. yeah. It's like his like great uncle or some shit like that. I yeah. don't know. Maybe his grandpa. Uh, all right. Still, it's interesting, though. Yeah. Um, you know by his work that he's fucking weird, too, you know? Like, maybe not as weird as Marilyn Manson, mm-hmm. but Trent Reznor and the Nine Inch Nails, it's, like, pretty bizarre, yeah. a lot of it. Yeah, the only reason I even... Because <clears throat> I, as much as I enjoy a lot of those songs, a lot of those '90s rock songs, um, I didn't follow them closely yeah. when I was that age. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know them very well. Um, I wouldn't know who Trent Reznor was if it wasn't for this. When I was a kid, I used to uh, draw pictures from magazines. I would try. I would try to just practice trying to make a photograph, you know, with my hand. So usually it was like FHM magazine and Maxim, and it was beautiful women, and I'm I'm trying to draw them. One time, it was this sweet ass picture of Trent Reznor, okay. where it was his face, like his like his nose up to up to his head, and it was like half shadow. It was awesome, and I so I drew that I drew that one one time, and that's literally I, because I knew that was a picture of Trent Reznor. Yeah. Only reason I know the his name, you know what that's I mean? Funny, yeah. So um, I had a surprise, <clears throat> kind of a surprise visit from uh, from Josh Hamilton this uh, weekend. Nice, yeah. He. Uh, he calls me. He says um, that he's driving up to my neck of the woods, and uh, apparently his um, pastor's dad died, and they live up here somewhere, so not like super close, but up in this area. So he uh, his family happened to be on vacation. He was home without his wife and kids for like two weeks. Oh. Like, dude, I don't even know what I would do with myself if I had two weeks with nothing to do. Um, but anyway, he came up here for the funeral and decided to swing by and uh, hang out. So we recorded an hour, um, and then we went and had dinner. Nice. And uh, it was really nice to see him. And, and I sent uh, Brian, I sent him a picture of me and Josh. Yeah. Because just for the audience's sake, uh, me and Josh and Brian, from like mi- middle school age mostly, um, we were all really good friends. We all lived on the same street, and we kind of grew up together, but then we all went our separate ways. So I sent Brian a picture of me and Josh together, and he hasn't seen Josh in Ages. He hasn't seen me in ages. Um, and, you know, Josh has got this giant beard with like a gray stripe in it. And uh, anyway, so I sent that to Brian just willy nilly. And it took him a while, but he finally responded to it. And he was like, oh shit, <laughs> what, are, what are you guys doing? And it reminded me of uh, like when you were a kid and you pulled into your driveway from being gone and you saw your other friends playing at the end of the street. And you're like, I got to get out of here. I got to go yeah, see my yeah. friends. That's how Brian responded when he saw the picture of me and Josh. That's funny. <laughs> That's nice. So you guys, so you guys are gonna, you guys released or not released, but you recorded a podcast. We huh? did. We, so I've got. Uh, j- it, we couldn't do like a super long one. We did about an hour. It's like the new version of playing with your friends. You know, like you <laughs> yeah. have down in the yard playing. Now you're in the yeah. pod cave. In the pod cave, yeah. Um, but Josh, so I was giving him a hard time because he was saying he was going to start his, his own podcast, and I was encouraging him to do that, and uh, he kept putting it off and putting it off, and then when he left, when he left here. He drove three hours home and recorded his first podcast. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he, he published it at like midnight that night. Nice. So he was inspired. Uh, so anyway, it's called Faith, Fringe, and Freedom. Right now, it's only on Podbean. We're, we're going to get it all fixed up to where he's uh, he's he's everywhere. Nice. So if anybody's interested, but um, uh, but that hour, we'll, we'll post that, you know, maybe as a bonus episode or maybe if we if we end up, yeah. you know, like a holiday weekend or something, we'll, we'll figure it out. But we got one. Nice, man. But it was nice seeing him. Uh, he did say some things that were pretty interesting. He said two things that reminded me of stuff you said recently, mm-hmm. and I thought that was pretty interesting. I thought it might be interesting to have a three-way chat again, but he started talking about scarcity 
mm. in exactly the way that you were the last time we got together. That it's bullshit. That it's bullshit. Yeah. And um, then there was something else he said that was like on the money, something you said, but I couldn't think of it. Um, but apparently he's been doing this interesting like wholesaling with real estate and he's explaining to me how this works. It's like a side hustle for him. You know, he's got his regular job and then he, he does this t- to make extra money. And uh, apparently you don't need to have a real estate license to do it. Um, you just find properties. Um, you make an offer on the property so that you t- you, you, you basically pull it off the market into contract you know there's like some earnest money involved that you have to put down so it's not like completely risk-free but you have conditions like you would anytime you buy a house uh that you have to um uh inspect it right so you can always back out if, if the inspection you don't like the, with the results of the inspection so that's what he's doing he'll he'll pick up a property he'll uh f- he has a network of buy of uh realtors and buyers and he basically plays middleman on these deals and make and gets a cut Nice. That's, I, know, I thought that was pretty interesting. That is pretty he's, cool. He's an entrepreneur, man. He's always trying to dip his wick in something. He's always doing this and that, you know. Yeah. He's never he he never slows down. It's good. So, um, yeah, I'm gonna have to listen to that whenever it comes out. But uh, I'm interested to hear what he what he has to say about that stuff that you say that I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you, he'll do a better job if you you know from his words. I'm tr- sure. just trying to remember. I do like I. Just to clarify on the scarcity thing, I think that you can manufacture scarcity. Absolutely. Um, but I don't think, like, people are always worried that, we, you know, we're overpopulated. We're not going to be able to produce food. It's like, I just don't believe that. I don't think that that's really a problem. Mm. I think that's a scare tactic. It's a very effective scare tactic. Yeah. It's way more effective than saying, you know, white supremacy, right? Because that's, yeah. what, that's what they've been saying. But you got to be scared of crazy white people. That's one thing. But to say, hey, we might not have enough to eat. That's a whole different level of scared, man. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It is it is fucked up. And I feel like we are, you know, like I said, you can have man-made scarcity. And I feel like we are potentially entering into a period of man-made scarcity. Um, although maybe that's a scare tactic, you know? Like maybe it's really, maybe they're just trying to get people freaked out for some mm-hmm. reason. I don't know, man. I don't, I just don't fucking trust anything that these people say, you know? Uh, remember you brought up... Uh... I think you. I think you said Indonesia, but it was Sri Lanka. I ended up seeing those articles oh, yeah. um, about what's going on over there, and I saw this picture of all the people that it's run like a that. million people. Oh Jesus, man! Yeah. So you got that happening over there, and not far from not far from there, you have the former prime minister of Japan assassinated on a campaign yeah, on a man. campaign speech. Like, and, and my my wife's aunt was telling me how few people are murdered in, in Japan. Like, yeah. they have a handful of murders every year. And it's completely unheard of, man. Over Crazy. there, it, it's interesting, man. I, I mean, it's not interesting in a good way. It's, but it's interesting nonetheless. It is interesting. Um, I really don't know much about the guy Shinzo Abe. Yeah, no idea. Um, I don't. You know, I don't. I know that he was like, you know, like he was one of the world leaders who was like more okay with Trump. I think you know, like they didn't, they weren't like bickering like he, like a lot of those assholes were with Trump, you know? Yeah. Like, you got Donald Trump, you know, and then you got, like, Emmanuel Macron from France, who's just, like, he's a world leader, and he's, like, virtue signaling, like a fucking Twitter user, you know? Yeah. Like, it's like, just he, fucking pathetic, He's man. like the Trudeau of France. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah, Trudeau not... is the uh, the caster of Canada. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. You see those that the, uh, uh-uh. the rumors? No. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's yeah. actually Fidel Castro's son. Yeah. They look alike. They man. do look. They alike. look like eerily alike, and apparently, it's not impossible. Like I guess his his mother like hung out with Fidel Castro. Yeah, that's so. crazy. If you guys have a chance, look up a young picture of Fidel Castro next to Justin Trudeau. You'll it's see what I mean. Close. It's very possible that Justin Trudeau's mom was just getting the D over there getting in Cuba. Getting the by uh, Fidel. Mm, Stooped by Fidel. With the with in, the cigar. In Cuba with the cigar, yeah. Him and Bill Clinton both, man. They love those cigars. Oh, is there, is there a story about Bill Clinton? You don't, you don't oh, remember God. that? I, it, I kind of do. I'm afraid like to ask. Well, we don't even know. Okay, right. People get the idea. So another thing, while we're on the political topic, I'll bring up is... Um, I've never been a fan of executive orders. Yeah, it's I don't remember ever retarded. seeing them until until Obama. I don't I don't remember seeing them until Obama. So maybe uh, maybe there was some few. He definitely few and far ratcheted between. them up. But there were, you know, I think I think I remember people talking about George W. Bush. I, I think you're right. Some executive orders. I think but, you're right. And think, I'm sure people before George W. Bush too. But, yeah, yeah. But yeah, Obama really like ratcheted them up. Yeah. And Trump was no better. No, Trump was no better. Um, and so. That's what I want to talk about is that Biden signed an executive order immediately, more or less, immediately after Roe versus Wade was mm-hmm. overturned to supposedly to protect uh, women's rights and all that. I read some of the specifics about what what was in the executive order, and it's, you know, it's nothing I would necessarily ob- object to, It's but it's nothing really that's – it's nothing that's going to – do anything to prevent what happened in the Supreme Court, but it's meant to look like he's fighting yeah. back against the Supreme Court, and that's where my problem is. So you have you have Biden, and he's not the first person to, not with the executive orders like we've been talking about. What the president is tries doing there is stealing power away from the Congress because Congress writes laws. The president doesn't write laws. It's not that's what the separation of powers are for. Mm-hmm. And so an executive order bypasses Congress. That's a very 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 dangerous and unconstitutional thing. And we're just letting it happen willy nilly. Mm-hmm. And now now you have a president writing an executive order. To undercut the judiciary. So let me just tell this in another way. You have the executive branch of the government. You have the fucking president of the United States doing something that would normally have to go through Congress. So he bypasses the legislative branch Mm -hmm. in order to do what? To undercut the legislative branch. So now you have now you have Biden for the very first time in, in American history bypassing both other branches of government to become a dictator, a, a totalitarian dictator. Yeah. He now he now doesn't need the, the the Congress to pass his laws, and he doesn't need the judiciary to uphold them. He's going to do it his goddamn self. That is dangerous, very, very, very fucking dangerous. And I've never seen I've never seen that before. Maybe it's been done, but I've never seen that before in my life. Yeah, it's a dangerous precedent to set. Um, where is this? Where is the Supreme Court? Fighting back. Where is the where is Congress fighting back? There should be an uproar anytime the president tries to do some shit like that. Congress is not going to fight back because they're on Team Biden, you know, and because they want to be able to do the same thing when when a Republican is 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 voted in. They want to be able to write executive orders to fuck around the system. Yeah, it's it's not okay, man. Not okay for them. Not okay for the Republicans. Yeah, Um, I think like the whole. Imagine, you know, like you were saying, um, you know, just imagine what the other side's going to do when they're in power. I mean, that's, it's true. I just don't feel like it's a convincing argument to a lot of people for some reason. Like, they just don't. The, no, no, people don't know what a slippery slope is? I guess. I mean. <clears throat> Have they been to an amusement park? <laughs> Have they been down a slide? 
don't oh. know, man. I just uh, like and on, honestly, at this point, um, I feel uh, I'm to the point where. You know, this kind of goes back to when, uh, again, when I was talking about Ron DeSantis being the king of Florida. Mm -hmm. Um, And, like, the whole libertarian idea that, you know, the only reason that we should seize power is to destroy power, which is fucking dumb. Because you can't destroy power. Power is just going to shift somewhere else, you Mm know? Um, Yeah. And I am at this point, like... If they're gonna do it, we should do it. You know, like I, I what, what? You're gonna handcuff your hands behind your back? Then they just win all the time. Mm. You're a fucking loser perennially. Mm. Um, so at this point, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not a huge fan of the executive order shit either. Um, but what? I mean, I don't know, man. Like, what? You just let them run wild. Just let them do whatever the fuck they want. You know? No, it doesn't sound like a good plan. It doesn't sound like a good plan at all. It sounds like a losing plan. Um. And I just think, uh, like, I don't know. I, I just hope that, like, this red wave is really coming. And it's like, because I don't even really like Republicans that much. But, no. uh, you know, no, but I, I just f- hate the Democrats. Yeah, so 100%. 100%. Yeah. So, like, the Democrats went too far a long time ago. Yeah. And they keep doing it. And if they were, and if they were a child, and because they're acting like children, by the way, bust their ass. If they were a child, they would have their asses whooped, and they would, and and that's what needs to happen. Somebody needs to spank them on their fucking bottom, man. What is that? And put them in the corner. I don't know. Does that look like Caesar? (laughs) I don't know, man. Like, what does that look like? I think it looks like a bunch of a bunch of uh, Democrats losing seats to Republicans and having to go back to the drawing board and, and get some fucking sense back. Yeah. That's what I'm hoping happens. But I don't know, man. Yeah. And it, like you say, I don't think that having the Republicans in power is going to be any better necessarily than the situation we're in now. I just want the Democrats to learn their fucking lesson yeah. so bad. Yeah. They need it. To bring some level of like moderation to the party. Some some sense, some sanity, some like as soon as as soon as I noticed that the hypocrisy was getting noticed, pointed out and put in the media over and over and over and nobody gave a shit. I knew that was a that was a deep problem. Yeah. If nobody cares about hypocrisy anymore, just a couple of years ago, the word flip flop. Would you if you were accused of being a flip flopper, oh, yeah, you couldn't win an election. Yeah, that's like the whole that was the whole case against Mitt Romney. Absolutely, flip flopper. Yeah. Now yeah. you can flip flop any way that's you want, good. and we're like, like oh, look at his moves. Yeah, look at his moves. He, he can fluid. dance. Yeah, Jesus. Exactly. Um, yeah, I know, man. It's you know the double standards are, are insane. Speaking of double standards, you see uh, the stuff that's going on with Hunter Biden's laptop now. Oh, is there more? What are they saying it's now? Big. Oh boy, what are they saying? And so somehow hackers got they like hacked his iCloud account, so they have complete access to his iCloud account. Oh Jesus, yeah. And they not only did they have access, but they I don't I don't know what I don't know what these terms are. I don't even know if I'm using the right terms, but they like cloned it. Yeah. So you know they've got a copy of it, and then they like put it out on the internet. So like just for anybody. Can have oh it. boy. And I don't know. The stuff that I've seen, who knows if it's true or not. It's going to take a while before people can confirm whether what's really on there. Mm-hmm. I have no doubt that there's shady shit on there. Um, but, I mean, I've seen some fucked up stuff, like him uh, on porn sites looking for 12-year-old girls and oh, shit Jesus. like that. Jesus. A bunch more pictures of him smoking crack. Oh, no. Which, I mean, I really don't care about it. Who's the photographer? Crack. I know. Like, and why, why is he keeping them? Why are you taking pictures of yourself smoking crack all the time? It's so I know. weird. 
Like, I mean, I've done a bunch of drugs, and I don't think I've ever taken a picture of myself doing Nor drugs. would I want to. Yeah, it's yeah. so weird. It reminds me of a... Just picture. I think it was Austin Powers. I think it was Austin Powers. And he's taking pictures and he's like, "Be a tiger, be a tiger, <laughs> be just, a crackhead." I'm just picturing. I'm just picturing fucking Hunter Biden posing with his crack pipe. <sighs> I mean, I. It seems weird. It seems like, um, like almost manufactured for this scenario. Like we got all these pictures of you smoking crack. You know, mm. it's just weird. Yeah. But I also think that. He's probably just a fucking narcissist, you know? It's like, yeah, get a, get a picture of me smoking this crack, you know? <laughs> so, I'm untouchable. Yeah, I don't fucking care. King Kong ain't <laughs> got shit on me. Yeah, so who knows what's going to come out of that. I, I hope, I, I kind of hope that that red wave comes in November and then they just fucking just run Biden out of the out of the White House. I mean, then we got President Kamala, but, you know. Yeah, yeah I, I did see an article about that, about the idea that... Uh, Biden might might face impeachment charges, yeah. um, and I before before it happened to Trump, and I thought that it was trumped up, um, and they didn't let it go like they wanted to force it. Um, that's when I kind of decided if it happens the other way around, it's okay. Like it's yeah. like it's tit for tat. I don't love that. I don't love that because it's uh, because where does it end? Yeah, but I do think. If you can just frivolously try to impeach a, a sitting president, then, we, you know, both sides can feel that pain. From what I know, from what is, like, confirmed about Biden, I think they've already got a case. I don't even think, I mean, like, Joe Biden's relationship with Ukraine and uh, China. You hear about the gas thing recently? Oh, I, I heard that they re- released some gas yeah, from they the sold reserve out and of the sold strategic it. reserves to China. And the company that they sold it to stands to make a huge Profit and guess who sits on the board or you know it has a big ownership stake anyways. Hunter, Hunter Biden. Jesus Christ, man, it's fucked up, man. A whole bunch of fucked up shit. Oh, another thing that I saw in the laptop leak is that there's a contact in there that like a few members of the Biden family have conversations with, whose name was Pedo Peter. No. <laughs> yeah. Golly, he's in. Oh, who, no. who knows? Maybe you know. Maybe Pedo means something else. You know. Okay. I don't know, but probably not. And who who knows if that's even real, though? I'm taking everything at this point with a grain of salt. When it starts getting reported on by people that I actually trust and not, like, random people on Twitter, yeah, then I'll take it more seriously. Yeah, who knows? It's fucked up, man. It's very fucked up. I can't... Part of me likes the undermining of of all of it, you know? Like, I think it's some on some level, I think it's good. Um, but also like you brought up the thing in Sri Lanka and I think that maybe it's like, um, what am I trying to say here? That like, you've got this, this problem, you know, that, which is the instability of the governments right now and people are pissed. And then you, you like run into the, you know, you do the insurrection and then that gives the government a reason to like crack down, Yeah, you know? Um, so I just don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it's a good thing. Like, I, you know, when the insurrection here was happening, um, a lot of people you should say you shouldn't say that word in podcasts and stuff. By the way, oh, oh. because it like they track it, and oh. if you're speaking favorably of it, they'll pull you pull you down and shit like that. Um, but anyways, January six, which they say you shouldn't say that either. But you know, on January six, the thing that happened. Um, <laughs> when it was happening, I was like, man, this is cool. You know, like uh, this. Pretty pretty neat. What? 
But after, it's just like, look at what's happened. It's just been like a fucking, nothing happened. Nothing good actually Mm -hmm. happened. Yeah. And then it's just, you know, they've been throwing these people in jail. I don't understand why Trump didn't pardon them while he still Mm -hmm. had the power to do it. Yeah. Um, what see what I saw on the on the news were a bunch of people rushing into the Capitol building peacefully. Yeah, I didn't see anything. And you know, there was a few instances that uh, were brought up, and there's some cons- conspiracy and, and stuff surrounding them. Whether you know, I guess I won't get into the details, but mostly it was a bunch of people just standing in the Capitol, filling up all the all the rooms and buildings and whatnot. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there, there were some people doing dumb shit. Like, I don't know, what, what stole... One guy stole, stole a podium. Stole stole something from Pelosi's de- yeah, desk like or something. Yeah, like put his feet up on Pelosi. I heard somebody <laughs> took a shit on someone's desk, which yeah, is... Maybe so, but, it, <laughs> but in, in any case, all of that happened, and the government wasn't overturned. Everything there was wasn't, fine. wasn't a single politician harmed. Mm-hmm. Or threatened, as far as I know. Yeah, one protester got killed, and you see that situation in Sri Lanka it, with very, very different results. Those those prisoners went to the house of the president and were swimming in a swimming pool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I do wonder what the if the outcome is going to be much different though. Like, I, did any politicians get hurt, or were they all evacuated by the time they got in? I think that they fled. I think yeah. they fled. I think really what that what this boils down to is if the government is willing to use their own military against their own people, if they are, then that's a really, really bad sign. Um, and they can remain in power even if they have a huge public unrest like, like that to that degree. But if they're not willing to use their military against their people, which you would assume should be the case in every country. You would assume. Um, then... The government has no choice but to step down, resign, you know, whatever. Yeah. Which I think is what should happen. Sure. That's what our constitution says should happen. Yeah. That, that you know we have the power to replace our government with one that will that will do what we want it to do. If our government starts to starts to fail us, we can replace it. Um, you can call that an insurrection if you want to, but it doesn't. It doesn't have to be violent. In fact, it, it, you know, our constitution lays it out a process for that. Um, when that happens, I think there should be some process by which the uh, the government has to has to step down. Yeah, I I mean, ideally, I think that that I, I'm with you. Um, I am less optimistic about the idea that they wouldn't use the military against us, though, and I am just as pessimistic about the idea that the military would do it you know like i think you might have some people who are like no i'm not going to do that but a lot of these people they're just like cops yeah it's a paycheck oh, of course and they're going to do whatever they're told to do and it's it's and that kind of obedience comes from a power structure where there's intense not just social but legal pressure mm-hmm. and you know force um pressing down on you to make you comply yeah. and the military there's, n- there's nothing worse than that you know, it, it would be better to be a cop in that situation. The power structure is not as deep. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I almost am to a point where I think, uh, and I remember maybe like a year ago, two years ago, I thought that people who thought this way were like, you know, crazy and unrealistic. But I almost think that the best thing to do is just like build parallel institutions, you know, not don't rebel against this government. Just 
build another thing on your own. And when they crack down on it, it's going to open people's eyes, you know? Yeah. They're going to like, these people weren't doing anything to harm anybody and you like killed them all. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you know how we think about Tiananmen Square? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I definitely don't think that's taught anymore. I don't think like, especially even in this country, I don't think kids know about Tiananmen Square. Yeah. But for those of us old enough to remember and have seen the videos and all that, uh, that's, that's, the government using force, deadly force, against peaceful citizens. When that happened, it was such it was such a tragedy. It was such a slap in the face of humanity that the world turned their nose up to China um, to the point where the United States didn't even recognize China as a as a as a country, you know, for years and years and years. Um, that's what could potentially happen here, a Tiananmen Square type of a thing. And I just can't imagine in the 90s, rank and file individuals like you and I allowing that to even considering that. Today, I think it's not unlikely. Not unlikely. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That is fucked up. I was just listening to Ari Shafir's podcast. He had Dave Smith on um, and... Ari Shafir, you know, he does a lot of traveling and he was in China and he was in Tiananmen Square and somebody was like, you're, you're like standing right where that happened. Mm. And uh, there's no like commemoration, nothing, no. you know, no. which makes sense because they don't really want people to remember that kind of shit. Yeah. I don't know the details of what happened there, if everybody was killed or what, but there were just, if there's any young people listening that don't have any idea what we're talking about, in communist China, there were people peacefully protesting in a square that was set up. It was basically a a free speech zone. It was a zone where the government allowed people to protest. You had one spot where you could go and you could hold a sign and speak your mind and and it was okay. And people camped out there and they weren't leaving. And the government turned all the lights off and drove (laughs) drove tanks in there and the next day everybody was gone and nobody talks about it. Yeah. You know? And you can't protest there anymore. <laughs> yeah, no protesting. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I China's a China is fucked up, and our relationship with China is super fucked up because we like like to condemn China. You know, like we uh, like we think every, what they're doing over there is so bad. But then, and the people who are like the most outspoken about like LGBT rights and racism and shit like that are like celebrities, right? Yeah. You get these actors and stuff. But these actors, you know, like our movies, we release them over in China and they do like as big a number as over in China. Yeah. But, you know, like the, you remember the controversy that happened with Lightyear? There was like a gay kiss in it. Mm. And, um, you know, like people made, you know, like conservative people here, like, why are you putting gay, uh, why are you putting a gay relationship in a kid's movie? Yep. You know, it's more brainwashing. And that's like a terrible thing, you know. You can't say that. That's transphobic, well, tra- gay, whatever, homophobic. Yep. Yep. Um, China, who these celebrities like, you know, they they speak out against this kind of stuff all the time. China took that out. Yeah, yeah. China, uh, in, on the poster for the Star Wars movies, you know, there's the the black fella who was in that movie. I can't remember his name. Yeah. Um, Finn, I think, is the guy's name in the uh, the story. He, um, what, he, uh, he, I, I, I don't remember, those movies were, like, not good, so I just don't really remember them that much. But anyways, 
There's a like I said, there's a black guy, uh, John Boyega, I think is his name. Yeah, I remember. Um, that. I remember he was on character. the poster. China's racist, like straight up racist, and they took him off. What? Yeah, didn't hear you hear a fucking thing from these movie stars? No, nope. because they're raking it in. It's fucked up, man. We and we, but like they'll speak out. They'll act like China's so bad. John Cena, like he's a yeah. big LeBron. The yeah. NBA is like big over there. You know, we didn't. We haven't heard a lot about sweatshops in the last couple of decades. Yeah. You know, it used to be a big deal. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Now, now that we've got this financial relationship with them, you know. You know, I agree with you, man. I agree with you that that's shady and that the that there's principles that the United States generally wouldn't stand for that they brush under the rug because of this, you know, money situation, uh, that there's something to be gained, a lot to be gained. Um, but I also think that having a relationship, a trading relationship with China is better than not. Sure, yeah. You I mean- know? I agree. When when goods cross borders, armies don't. That's what they say. Yeah, I think um, I, I'm with that. I just think that these celebrities should stop being fucking hypocrites. You yeah, a hundred percent. But they, nobody cares about hypocrisy anymore, Kyle. Yeah. I, and I mean, to be honest with you, I don't even really think it's that big of a deal that China took like the gay the gay shit out of Lightyear. Like, that's fine. I, like, I'm on board with that. To be honest with you, I think. Uh, but if China put the gay shit in, you wouldn't be on board, would you? So when is the government allowed to manipulate? Uh, well, I think that when the when, like I think here in America, the fact that I think the majority of people, if you ask them, are you okay with Disney or Pixar, whoever the fuck made that movie, pushing a gay agenda onto your kids? The fact that I, I think most people would say no, I'm not really a fan of that. They should fucking take it out, or people should just not go see that fucking movie. Yeah, I think that's- which they didn't. I mean, that movie fucking flopped. Well, I, I I went to see it. <laughs> Did you? Yeah, I didn't like it, and I didn't stay the whole the whole movie. But that wasn't f- the reason. The reason was that the well, I didn't exactly realize that Tim Allen's voice wasn't in it. In retrospect, I I think that was a huge mistake. Yeah. Uh, but it was the fact that the, that the fans, the people who were fans of Buzz Lightyear, were fans of Toy Story. Yeah. And if you look at the what movie, what type of a movie Toy Story is versus Lightyear, they're they're not compatible. It's like somebody who's going to like watching Toy Story is not going to like necessarily like watching Lightyear. And so I had a five and a three-year-old there, and they fucking didn't like it. They yeah. were bored. Like, real quick, they were bored. It's like more of an action type thing? Yeah, it's like more of a... Action adventure? Yeah, just imagine like a like a action space movie. With some gay shit? But, it, but cartoons instead of... It, it's like it could have been a PG-13 uh, CGI movie. But they just made it a cartoon and, and and advertised it for kids. Like the person who's going to like that is a thirteen year old boy. Uh, and if and if he went to see the movie because he liked Toy Story, he'd be disappointed. Yeah. And that's it. He set themselves up for that. Yeah. Why would you do that? Yeah. They should have called the movie anything but Lightyear. They should have called it something else and gave the guy a different face, and it would have been it would have been better, I think. Yeah, well, you got to use the name though, you know, which it didn't fucking work for them apparently, but. Hmm. I, I mean, the idea, like, I, I bet you could make a Buzz Lightyear movie that was interesting, that was, like, fun. If they would have made it for a younger audience, and they would have used Tim Allen's voice, it would have been a thousand times better. Yeah. yeah. Who was his voice? Was I, it? I don't even know. Just a regular guy. Just a regular guy? Just a regular white guy. Yeah, generic white guy. Whitey. <laughs> I thought it was, uh, I thought it was someone famous for some reason. For some Maybe. Reason. Maybe it was. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the youngest, the youngest one got, got bored and was sort of, like making too much noise and she was basically ready to go so we we had to leave yeah so i don't know how the movie ended i heard this guy saying uh that when you have kids 
You've got, and you've got one who is very outspoken and one who is not. Like, mm-hmm. let's say you're in a car and you're listening to kitty music and you've got one song that the outspoken one doesn't like. Yep. And she's like throwing a fit, like, I hate this song, that you change that song even if the, the quiet one likes it. Because it's like the squeaky wheel gets the grease and it's just easier. It's the truth. Yeah, that's, yeah. that is absolutely the truth. And it's probably not good developmentally for that bad kid. You're just supporting, the, you're reinforcing the bad. That's yep. what's happening to me, man. So my youngest still will scream to get attention. And she, she gets upset, like, emotionally pretty easily. It's, and she, you have to, like, calm her down before you can get her to, like, talk to you because otherwise she just screams until she gets her way and uh i fucking hate that and now i'm just like waiting for her to get old enough because i'm not exactly sure where that line is but i'm waiting for her to get old enough where i can just say cut the shit and right right, what what i'm doing now is like when she's crying i'm like no no use your words i don't know what ah means no and i just won't i won't i won't give her anything until she calms down and and you know uses her words because otherwise that woman, that little girl, when she's a woman, will be crying for whatever she wants and, yeah. and never capable she's of gonna be Amber articulating. Heard. She's going to be Amber Heard. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Sh- uh, shitting on people's beds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Buzz Lightyear was Chris Evans, Captain oh, America. Uh, yeah, whatever. That fucking... He, he's an idiot. I like Chris Pratt better than Chris Evans. Yeah, well, Chris Pratt's the man. Have oh. you watched that new show, The Terminal List? No. Um, so it's a guy that Rogan has had on... Uh, he's an ex-Navy SEAL. I cannot remember his name off the top of my head, but I actually listened to the uh, audiobooks. I listen, there's like maybe four or five in the series, and I've listened to two of them. Mm. Uh, pretty good. Um, the book was pretty good, yeah. and I heard that the series is really good, too. Good. Is it Prime? Is it Prime, right? Amazon Prime, yeah. yeah. So, um, so the Jordan Peterson podcast, to switch topics for a second. JPC? It's, um, no, JPP. He's been, he's been busy and I don't think that the content has been um, like there was been a couple episodes that were like clips of other episodes. It's like that kind of thing. Gotcha. It's like stopgap filling, you know, filler stuff. And then he had his son on, mm-hmm. and then he had his dad on. Yeah. You know. And I think he's doing a lot more stuff on YouTube that that doesn't get to the to the podcast and stuff like that. Um, let alone what what he's doing for the, the the wire and all that. I don't know. I don't know. So the reason I bring it up is because I listen to part of his conversation with his dad and like I you know I'm not one to be critical of Jordan Peterson but it's like his 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 old man's like in his 80s yeah and uh it's kind of hard kind of hard to listen to it's not like it's slow going you know mm-hmm. but he what he did was he was asking his dad about like what it was like for him growing up and uh you know his relationship with his grandparents and like the people that uh his dad knew in in you know, while they were living that Jordan never knew and, uh, you know, like how they got here from the, from the old country and, you know, where they moved around. And it's just like this whole conversation about the history of the family and their memories and like how, how they remember things differently. And, um, it wasn't the best episode, but I was thinking to myself, so many questions like that, you never ask your folks and then you never know. And then they're, and then they're gone and you never know. And it would be good to ask your folks those questions. Like, get to know them. What were they like when they were a kid? You know? Like, I, like I looked so much like my dad. If you look at a picture of me at 12 and my dad at 12, it's like the same kid. Yeah. It's like, I want to know, what was my dad's life like when, when he was 12? You know, what was he like? 
Um, what kind of shit did he get into? What kind of trouble did he get into? I've heard some of those stories, but like, who were the people he admired? Why? Like, who had the biggest influences on the person he became? Um, I never asked those questions. And I thought to myself, I should. And then I thought to myself, it'd be better to have it recorded because then I could listen to it whenever I wanted. Then my kids could listen to it. Then my grandkids could listen to it. They could hear their great grandpa's voice and his stories. And, uh, so anyway, as critical as I was of listening to Jordan Peterson uh, interviewing his dad, I'm like, I should do that. Yeah. And I talked to my mom yesterday, and I asked her the same question, like, would you be comfortable coming on the podcast and just, you know, I'd like to get to know you, you know, like to ask those questions. And uh, she's like, yeah, but, you know, I'm afraid, like, I might say something silly that, or something that I would regret. And I'm like, you know, we don't have to air it necessarily if you don't want me to air it I won't air it but the point is I think I want to do that I think I want to have a podcast with my dad separately and my mom separately yeah. and uh, but I have to figure out like what questions I want to ask him but that's kind of the gist what do you think I like it yeah, yeah. I think that's cool it'd be great man yeah that would be cool I, I would uh, definitely be interested in hearing it you know I actually had this thought the other day like have you put any thought into like getting like an external hard drive and like putting all the podcasts on there just in case like we ever stop doing it and Podbean erases them all or something? Yeah, it's a good uh, it's a good question. Um, well, I don't exactly know how it works because we have all the episodes on our website, yeah. uh, the Two Tongues Podcast dot com. Um, <laughs> so maybe that they're there permanently. But I have like three external hard drives floating around here. I'm sure I could put them on. I don't think that they are there. I think if uh, you know. We host our podcasts on Podbean, yeah. and if they go away from Podbean, they're not, they're not going to be on the website okay. anymore. Well, I've got them on my computer, so I'll back them up onto a hard drive and then uh, or, or two. Yeah, that yeah. way you got them forever. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah, put them in the cloud somewhere. That way, 4chan can hack them when we, when you run for president. <laughs> yep. Um, you know who would be good to to do a uh, like an interview with your dad podcast. Your Uncle Roland. Yeah. You know, like, he would be an interesting dude. I've talked to him about coming on before. He doesn't seem that interested. I think maybe it's because we do it during church, oh, you know? Yeah. Um, so. So, you know, I sent, uh, I told you Josh Hamilton visited, and I was asking him again about his sister, because last time he was here, we were talking about that, and she said she's a, she's a Christian, but she is a Christian pagan, and she, there's like ritual magic and stuff involved with her beliefs. And I always thought that was super interesting. And I hadn't really stopped thinking about it since he brought it up. Like I, I knew I, we should talk to her about it. So I ended up texting her yesterday. <laughs> crickets. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. nothing. Oh, well. Because with all the stuff that you've been gravitating towards lately, mm-hmm. I just think that would be a cool conversation. Christian pagan definitely sounds contradictory. This is a good topic. I want to talk about this for a second. I listened. I listened. I recorded a podcast on the Red Book on Carl Jung's Red Book not long ago, and it was. It might have been called the Red One. What one of the chapters was called the Red One, and it's Carl Jung's doing his thing where he, where he's like dreaming while he's awake, and the first thing that comes to his mind is he's like a soldier in a like guarding a castle. He's up in a tower, and from in the distance he sees a rider, a horse coming close to him and he's wearing like a red cloak so you can see him from a far away it's like this little red dot it's getting closer and closer and closer and then finally he notices it's a it's a guy in a red cloak he uh, comes to the castle he comes up and talks to Carl Jung and he's he's in a red cloak and he has red hair and he has a beard and he looks like 
a Viking. And these kind of characters pop up in Carl Jung's fantasies a lot because he he has this fascination with this Germanic hero. Mm-hmm. You know, he has a fascination with like this Siegfried type of a hero. And so this guy shows up and Carl Jung says, um, I, I suspect you're the devil. And so he, he secretly believed the man in red was the devil, even though he didn't otherwise look like the devil apart from wearing red. Yeah. And he said something about how he, I'm going to butcher it, but he says, you're not the devil. He said, you're, there's something pagan about you, but not pagan like a real pagan. He said, pagan like the kind of pagan that, that walks closely with Christianity. And I was like, what does that mean exactly? And I was reading through that and it was kind of really kind of cool. But it's this idea that paganism has something Mm. that Christianity is missing. And Christianity has something that paganism is missing. And he's trying to make sense of what it is, and I'm trying to make sense of what it is. And I'll tell you what I think it is, and you tell me what you think about this. He said that Christianity has, um, well, what Carl Jung believed was like the, the height of religious intuition. Christianity has an image of God beco- of man becoming God. Mm-hmm. And that transformation is like at the heart of his psychology. It's about individuation it's about becoming god you know it's about whatever you know without getting into the weeds so he he thought that christianity had this perfect message of what's possible for a human being to be transformed spiritually psychically to become a to become something like god to become something always greater than what you once were that's that's what his psychology is all about um where am i going with all this oh man I lost it. Hold on. It'll, it'll come back. Go ahead. Something that paganism has and Christianity Thank doesn't have. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So Christianity has that. It has this goal of a of a religion, of a religious experience. Paganism doesn't. But he acts like Christianity is missing a vital spirit. Like paganism is alive and Christianity's dead. So even though Christianity has the right the right message. It doesn't have a spirit that makes it alive anymore, and uh, and it, he talks about like these um, like ecstatic rituals and things that pagans did, mm-hmm. where they felt like they were they were possessed by the spirit. The spirit went into them, and so there was something that was unifying them with these supernatural spirits. They they participated in the in the spirit of nature, yeah. you know, and that is missing in Christianity. Participating in the mystery was was young a Christian? It's an interesting question. Um, Go ahead. I, I I think young would say something like what Jordan Peterson would say. Yeah, he would say I, I act as though I'm a Christian. Okay, you know, I believe that the Christian myth is the highest myth, but I don't know that young would say you know I believe Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. You know, yeah. You know, I don't think he I, would. I think that I don't know, like. So when you were saying that 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 Christianity is like not alive and paganism is just on the face of it, it seems like that is like flipped. Yes, but I know what you're. I know what you mean. I would say that paganism is alive in its time, not that it's alive now, but mm-hmm. when it was in when it was in vogue, <laughs> when people were pagan, that their connection to religion was real, and 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 it was like a spirit that was alive in them. And and Christianity, it's like. Um, 
it has become, maybe it wasn't always this way, but it has become dogmatized. It's become dreary and, like, sure. you know, go to any church service, you know, it's, it's, where's the spirit, mm-hmm. you know? And, you know, it's funny because you see these, like, new agey Christian people with, like, you know, Birkenstocks and they're singing, you know, they're, and they're really into it. And even these mega churches where you, you can see the, this people getting swept up in it, you know. Mm-hmm. I think that's something like what the pagans were discri- were doing when they were out there having ritual orgies, or you know, out there dancing uh, in the forest on psychedelics naked. You know, that's. Can you imagine a Christian doing something like that? Can you imagine a Christian seeing that act as something spiritual? You know. Yeah, I don't know. Probably not. Not most of them, anyways. But, but imagine. Imagine being in the forest with a bunch of people that you know, that you deal with, that you have a, that you have a traditional relationship with on a day-to-day. Mm-hmm. And on one special day, you take your clothes off, and you do mushrooms, and you hold hands, and you're singing and chanting and, and dancing and, and fucking, and you can hear the, the, the owl hooting in the, in the, under the light of the full moon. And, you know, like, there, if, you, if you can put yourself in that position, you would see how... Everything would be strange and different and powerful and scary and, you know, you would, it would be an overwhelming feeling. Mm-hmm. Do we have that in Christianity? I think that some people do. I think some people do, too, but I... Yeah, it's not... doesn't seem to be widespread. I see what you mean. Um, yeah, uh, I think that a lot of people, a lot of Christians... You know, this is maybe judgmental. I can't be inside their head. I don't know how they feel, but it doesn't seem to me like a lot of them are... It just seems like they're going through the motions, you know? Yeah. Like they're doing... I, I mean, I think that they believe what they believe. I don't think it's like, um, you know... Um, per, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. I want to say performative, like they don't actually believe it. But um, I do think that they believe what they believe. But yeah, it doesn't seem to like... I don't know, be moving a lot of them, you know? So there's this idea, I'm going to try to explain, I don't understand it really well, I'm trying to understand it, but one of the things that I've come across from Jung and Peterson is that um, religion comes after ritual, that action happens first, then it becomes mythologized. Mm -hmm. It's not that there's a myth and then we act it out, it's that there's something that happens that we turn into a myth. So I'm trying to understand that, but, but he says that People will act out um, like a sacrifice, you know, and then they will come to understand afterwards why. Mm-hmm. Why are we doing this? Somehow the actions come first. I'm, I'm really trying to understand that. Um, it's like, can you imagine the first person who said, you know, it hasn't rained in a while, and if we don't get rain, we're we're not. We're all. We're all going to starve to death. We need. We need our crops to grow. And the first person that said, "I'm going to kill this stag and drain its blood out onto the earth, and and hope that the that nature understands that this blood offering is is supposed to be coaxing them to give us rain to give this, to let the spirits open the heavens and and allow the rain to come. There was some guy, <laughs> our gal, who was the first one to think of this idea of sacrifice. And they did it, and you know, only after the fact, put the story together about why the sacrifice works and why that was done that way and yeah. what it means. 
Yeah. Somehow action comes first and then it's mythologized. Anyway, I'm trying to understand it. What do you think? I don't know. I think that the action... So in the, like, trying to understand Christianity, I think that the action is trying to behave as Christ behaved. And that's a continuous thing. That's not mm-hmm. like a ritual. That's like an everyday, you know, where you're sacrificing behavior that was like maybe more you know carnally pleasurable uh you know some more instant rewards um so i think that that's like the ritual in christianity yeah that's an interesting perspective because you think of a ritual as a well something like a performative act that uh has a certain limited duration right this ritual is going to last us the evening yeah um but if, as a Christian, you're saying, no, 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 every decision you make in your life is a ritual. Mm-hmm. Just like in, like, I'm just imagining those tea ceremonies in, like, Japan, where they bring out the tea, and very carefully they're, they're, they brew it a certain way, they're dumping the tea over, over top of the, of the cups, and, you know, it's just this whole ritual that they do. Um, imagine your entire life is a ritual. Yeah, that's what Christianity. That's a really, really interesting perspective. Like, every it's in everything, it's the mundane. It's like every moment, you know. It makes that the it makes the mundane this sacred. If you do that, if you treat ever if you treat your entire experience as a, as a as a ritual, that's really really beautiful, man. It's hard though. You would take sure. it would take a lot more like awareness, and it's like when you're trying to meditate and your mind wanders and you got to keep pulling yourself back in to focus. Yeah. That's how your your whole life would become a struggle like that. And you think about I mean, if you think about trying to live a moral life. Even if you're taking it out of the context of Christianity, if you're trying really hard to, if you've got this, uh, you know, moral code and you're trying to live your life by that, I mean, it is going to be your entire life, you know? Like, I, I, it happens all the time where some kind of obstacle comes up and I can react to it one way or I can react to it another way. And you don't really think of that as like a ritual, you know? Right. You just think of that as like life, you know, but there is a way to handle it. Like, so I have issues with, uh, you know, I've got anger issues. If somebody pisses me off, I can want to be vindictive, mm-hmm. you know, um, and you come to that scenario and it's like, maybe it's like if I react, if I take action to be vindictive against this person, it's not going to make that much of a difference in the world, you know, but it's going to make a difference in you, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, and you can either choose to, I mean, as corny as the whole, what would Jesus do thing is, that's a good question. You know, um, would Jesus choose to enact vengeance on this person? Right. Uh, Regardless of how trivial that vengeance is, you know? Yeah. Uh, no, probably not. You know, it's funny because just taking this back to the idea of sacrifice, whenever you see it in religious in a religious setting, sacrifices, there's a right way and a wrong way. Mm-hmm. Well, there's only one right way, and that's the thing. With any decision, there's only one best decision. So if you have to sacrifice an animal, like just think about halal or think about kosher, they have to kill animals in a certain way. Mm-hmm. They have to pray first. They have to say certain words. They have to kill the animal in a specific way so it doesn't suffer. You know, Everything has to be done a certain way. That's a ritual. A ritual is doing something in a special very specific way. If you made that every decision in your life like that, then that's the same question you're asking. I, I like what life do I want to bring um, about? You know, um, what self do I want to be? 
you know, in the future. Every decision I make now, I have to think about that. What's the right choice, you know? I have to do this the right way. Yeah. So every single choice in your life becomes something like a ritual. And you practice doing it the right way in every single instance, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. And I think this is another, like, in my searching for whatever I'm searching for, um, you know, as you come to those junctions, you are going to make the wrong decisions. You right. know, uh, it's going to happen to everyone. You're going to fuck up. Uh, you're going to do, you're going to just decide to enact your, your, you know, vengeance. Um, and that is like, uh, you know, if you have a guilty conscience, which I know you do. Um, and I do too, on some level, like I, I think I feel bad about fewer things than you feel bad about. But yeah. when I feel bad about something, I really beat myself up yeah, about it. Fuck yeah. Um, and I think that that is kind of where the forgiveness of God comes in. You know, it's like, I can't forgive my, I have a really hard time forgiving myself for these things, yeah. you know? And then you just have to like ask for forgiveness from God and understand that he forgives you, you know? And then you just have to let it go, you know? Even if you can't do it, you have to take God's forgiveness and then just let it go, you know? Do better the next time. Yeah. So Yeah, I don't think there's a difference between that and forgiving yourself. It's like if you can't if you can't consciously let it go and and forgive yourself that you project that I uh, you project that to the level of God. So mm-hmm. if if again, I don't think there's a difference between you and me and God. So to, for God to forgive you is synonymous with you forgiving yourself. But if you, it, it can be helpful to have that perspective, you know, mm-hmm. um, because you're right, we're, we're way harder on ourselves than we are on anybody else. Yeah. You know, way harder. I don't know why that is. I don't know, man. I think, I think it's because we know we could do better. Like we know sure. we could do better. And you're in control. And you're in control. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's definitely the truth for me. I am super hard on myself when I fuck up, man. I just like, it's like I hate myself, dude. Yeah, and it. But how constructive is it? Like it's not. It's, it's, it's really it's not. Worse. You know? It makes it so much worse. And um, I think that's a good example of how people create their own world. Mm-hmm. People can live in heaven or hell, depending on, <laughs> depending on what position they put themselves in. If you beat yourself up and rack yourself with guilt, and you recognize you're doing it to yourself, you don't have to do that. But you're you're living in hell, you know, yeah, yeah. and it literally does make your existence terrible, and you're doing it to yourself. Yeah, and I, I encounter that, like I encounter that in all these different people that I've been reading lately, that there is a way in which we create our own world, and there's a way in which we create our own self. We build it from the ground up, and we're the we're the architect of our self and of the world. And like I, I keep I struggle with that because I'm like, yeah, I, I do believe that we're God. I do believe that. So we should, we should, so clearly we should be able to build to build the world and, and ourselves. That's what that's what God does. God creates. That's what we should be doing. Um, but at the same time, it doesn't feel like we have that ability. That we don't have that magical ability to just make things different. But we do. We do. We can make things different, and we can make ourselves different. And we're the only ones who can. It's like we're a canvas. Our ourselves, our body, our mind. Uh, the, the, the skills we learn, like you decided to teach yourself how to play guitar. And before you did that, you couldn't play guitar. And you just willed yourself to, to, to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what you did. It, it Yes, it did take work. It wasn't instantaneous. It wasn't a snap of the fingers. But you forced reality to bend around you. And you learned how to fucking w- wield that weapon. 
and you now you can play beautiful music. You changed, you you did something godlike. You grabbed the fabric of reality and you and you rent it and bent it until it worked. Mm-hmm. You struggled with God like fucking Jacob until you figured it out. And that's how that's how I see that's how I see how how we are God. Something like that. Yeah. We do have the ability to change ourselves and the world in whatever way we want. And it's whatever way we want. In what in whatever way we want. I'm not sure there's a limit to it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. It's not like magic. It doesn't happen, you know, instantly. But if we put our minds to it, I think there's nothing we cannot do. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, you know, in the experiences that I've had, mostly with psychedelic drugs, I have definitely become sympathetic to that idea that we are God and that there's, everything is God, you know? Like, yeah. um, but... I also have like some kind of sympathy, not not for the idea that we are not God, that there's a complete separation, but that there is some kind of a separation too. There is, yeah, I agree with that because, well, it's self evident, right? It's like I, I there's a there's something that separates me from you. There's, yeah. some, there's something that makes us different. Um, I, I think in reality that we aren't. So clearly, there's a, there's some some distance between one consciousness in another yeah um that bernardo castro guy who i i'll be having an episode releasing the next week on um he he talks about that as dissociation he says imagine god to be consciousness and i love that idea i fucking believe that and everything is one that's what the mystic experience tells you that's what every religion tells you everything is one so how are there how are there how is there a difference between you and me and, he, and Bernardo says that that's dissociation, that, that consciousness dissociates from itself. Mm-hmm. And that, that gives this illusion of there being two things instead of one. And now consciousness can look at itself. I'm, I'm not you anymore. I'm my own thing. Mm-hmm. And that just keeps happening until the world is full of us's, you know. And there's a dissociative boundary. That's what Bernardo says that separates us from each other. That's why Huxley called us island universes. Because we're, I can't know your mind. You can't know my mind. I also can't know the mind of God. Mm-hmm. All of the other consciousness that is, I'm dissociated from it. I'm estranged from it. Um, where I'm still the same thing it is. That's how I'm God. I'm still the same thing it is. Mm-hmm. I just can't know it. That's why it's a mystery, you know? Yeah. I uh, forget what the word is, but there's uh, something in Orthodox Christianity where it's like you... You know, you have to, like, work towards it. It's not something that, like, you ask Jesus into your heart and it's immediately there. Um, but it is something like becoming one. They don't, I, I think most of the time they don't say that you, like, become God, but you become, like, one with the grace of God, you know, yeah, something they, like that. Yeah, they, they play loosey-goosey with language, you know. But to me, it's like if you say you become one with God, or if you say you become one with the body of God or with the church, or you know the bridegroom or whatever word you want they want to pull out of their asses i don't think you're saying anything differently you're pre- when you say you become one with the body of god what what you're doing is you're trying to not say you become god yeah. and i'm suspicious of that so i think i agree with you in like a lot of that but i think that there like i i wish that i could remember the distinction but i think that there might be different way, ways to say things that do mean something different than that um, now whether that's right or not i don't know um, but yeah, I just, I don't know. 
I just don't, I just don't have the answers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, and I just don't want to act like I do, you know? Yeah. It's like, yeah. I, I have suspicions and, you know, but I just don't, I have no fucking idea. Yeah. I got no fucking idea either, but I have, but I have, uh, less doubts than I used to have. Yeah. Um, it's just strange. It's strange how that mystic experience is different for everybody. And I know everybody's different, you know, like our uh, tolerances when it comes to substances are very different between you and I. Mm -hmm. And even if, even how we respond to them are very, very different. So it's like, you know, it's strange, but I wonder if people take away different things from that experience. I wonder if you, if you had more, if you would have had, if you would have had an experience closer to mine that would make you feel more confident in like the crazy shit that I say. Like I don't doubt it. Like I realize that there's things I don't understand well, but I don't doubt them. Like I I understand this vaguely and I'm very fucking certain about it. You're never going to dissuade me. Uh, I don't know if you have that same feeling if you you could have had it or if you're just psychologically and physically so different from me that your experience won't be identical to mine yeah, regardless. I think there's some truth in that for sure. Um but I also think that maybe like you know like you you're you're super confident and you know you what did you say you you believe it vaguely but you're like super confident about yeah, it yeah yeah um I, I don't doubt it at all yeah but you could be wrong i could be wrong yeah so, but i definitely feel like i'm right <laughs> yeah yeah well fair enough um but i you know it's a strange kind of certainty kyle yeah because i doubt it in ways i doubt it all the time Mm-hmm. Like I was having this conversation with some people on Twitter about panpsychism and idealism because I've been getting into Bernardo and he's an idealist. Everything is mind to him. Panpsychists believe that everything is both mind and matter. And I'm, I'm looking at these models in my head trying to figure out which one is, mo- is most closely matching my intuition. Is it more like this? Is it more like that? You know, is it some combination? Like what's going on exactly? So even I am not sure. It's like whatever it is I'm sure about these ideas are like circling it, you know? They're not it, but they're close, you know? Mm-hmm. So even I, like I, I'm certain about something, but I'm not exactly sure. I can't pinpoint what I'm certain about. I can only tell you when something starts to resonate in that in that frequency. I'm like, this is something this is something that's worth considering. And I just follow those those vibrations, man. I just follow those leads. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not as certain maybe as I put on. I I there's still things I'm trying to like get more specific about. And I, do you ever entertain the idea that you could be completely wrong? I'm not even like suggesting that I think you are. No, I'm, I'm, I'm considering it for a second. Um, there are certain things that I say that I do not believe I'm wrong about. And the universe being one, there being a unity I think, I don't know what it means, but I know it's right. Um, that that unity is what we call God, like the thing responsible for this experience that we're having. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever that thing is that I don't know, that I, but I'm certain about, I know that's God. You know? Um, all is one. That oneness is God. It has something to do with experience and consciousness. Um, beyond that, the specifics, I, you know, I, I can't say that I'm, a, that I'm certain enough about but those things, you can't budge me on them. And, I, and the reason is not because I'm convinced by an argument. It's because I had the experience. Yeah. I was God. I was all things. 
and I was and I was certain about it, and it felt like I had been there before. It was a familiar feeling. It was like, oh yeah, in the deepest way. It was like you're a eureka moment and a remembering at once. Mm-hmm. Like an epiphany of something that blows your mind, and you're like, it's the most familiar idea in the world. It's been in your heart since the beginning of time. That feeling. You're never going to budge me on that, man. Yeah. You're never going to budge me on that. Yeah. You ever try or think about trying to like get that experience other ways? I think that's a great question. I think that psychedelic experience is pushing me to exactly that. It's pushing me to find that experience in my day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 it's just so weird because now I'm talking about substances like they have an intention or that, that their interaction with me has an intention. But what I mean is I've chased the dragon on that mystic experience because it was so amazing. I want it again. I want to go back there. I want to be God again. I want to. I want that bad, and I want it so bad that I can't. I haven't been allowed back. Mm. That's how I feel. Like I've tried and tried and tried and tried and haven't been allowed back there. I've I've been in the neighborhood, but never back there. You know, and um, I feel like, and I, and I've had these weird like intuitions where I afterwards when I'm coming to and I'm thinking about you know what just happened and what it might mean. I get this feeling that I need to get up and go out, get up and go out in the world. Like what you're experiencing in that vision is out there also. It's not different. If you like this mystery, if it, if it spoke to you deeply, if it changed your life for the better, go out there and, and experience it. And so there's something keep something preventing me from seeing God in the world like I did in the vision. And I don't know what that is, but I do feel like I'm called to it. I also feel like I'm not exploring it actively, like I'm letting myself down. Like whatever it is I'm, I telling myself I should be doing and learning. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. Another thing that Jung says in his uh, Red Book, he says that people think that they are their thoughts, or people like to live in their thoughts in their mind, and what people end up wasting their lives living in the thoughts of other people. Okay. And when I sit down and read Jung, and I'm blow- my mind is blown, or Bernardo, my mind is blown, or you know, uh, Doctor Shirsted Hughes, my mind is blown. I'm like, I want more of it. Like I'm chasing that dragon. In the back of my mind, I I hear Carl Jung say, you know, you're living in other people's thoughts. That's not the point. The point is something else. Find that something else. You know. Mm-hmm. And Nietzsche, you know, Nietzsche might say, find your own thoughts. You know, do do something novel. Become a Superman. But I don't know what that means, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's not an easy thing, that's for sure. I mean, think about like who becomes that. You know, it's it's a small amount of people. It's a very small percentage of the people that have existed throughout humanity become Superman. Yeah, you know? basically just Clark Kent. <laughs> um, but I did. I mean. So I think about my journey from being like a nihilistic atheist to being whatever I am now. And it started, you know, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, like my journey to this point, what's brought me to this point. And I think 
one of the main people, the first people who put me on this path was a person that I don't even really like that much anymore. Yeah. Joe Rogan. Okay. Um, because he did. He, like, opened my mind to um, just, like, thinking about things, you know, uh, things that I was more closed off to. Yeah. You know, like, things that I would have... And it, Joe's weird because he is. He's, like, a, a hybrid, you know? Sometimes he can be, like, kind of woo-woo and new-agey and shit like that, but a lot of the times he's, like, gay science guy. He's yeah. got, like, Neil deGrasse Tyson on there talking about, you know, just boring materialist science. Yep. Um, but I heard Joe start talking about psychedelics and that, like, piqued my interest. And back then it was more... I thought that I was going to get some kind of insight, you know, not necessarily, um, not necessarily that it would be like a spiritual thing, but it would be almost like, uh, like a materialist version of a spiritual thing, you know? Yep. Um, and so, you know, that was like the first step in. And then I, you know, I did psychedelics, um, I don't know. I didn't have like the the first few times that I did them. I got something out of it, but not as much as later, like later in my life when I did it. But then you know Jordan Peterson was a big part of it too. Uh, you know he kind of like opened up my mind to like believing that there was value in those stories. You know. Yeah. Um, but whereas before I was just like oh, you can't live in a wish you know can't live in a whale's belly. That's retarded. Yeah. You know. Um, so Jordan did that to me for me too. I want, I I want you to know that tons of people. Like I, I didn't write off those religious stories. I always thought they were interesting, but I didn't, especially the biblical ones. I didn't, I didn't realize how much meaning there was packaged into them. Yeah, and I was willing to. I wasn't investigating them anymore. Like I was done with them. I read the stories. I, I was done with them. And then Jordan was like, "Are you?" He was yeah, like, yeah. "Have you considered this?" And I'm like, "Fuck." Yeah, you know. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's just been... Uh, so Joe Rogan and then Jordan Peterson. Keep going. I That's like all I've really pinpointed, I think. You know? So is it... Is the... So, okay. So the thing about psychedelic experience that's so interesting is that it, it shows you that there's more possible experiences than you thought. Yeah. And when you live enough years and you have a bunch of different experiences and you go through puberty and you have all these powerful life experiences and you feel like you're an adult... Most things you've suffered pain and depression and you know successes and you know you you've been on the roller coaster of all your different emotions. You pretty much mapped out what's possible. Yeah. And then you think, okay, now it's just a matter of growing old and dying. And then you have a psychedelic experience, and you're like, oh, yeah. yeah. So okay, so there's all this other experience that's possible, and even if you don't like have a one with the universe feeling accompanying that, what it tells you is that you're wrong about thinking you know what the world has to offer. It has some crazy shit to offer that you couldn't even have imagined, and now you have seen it, and now you don't know where the limits are. Maybe there's an infinite number of experiences and an intensity of experiences that, that you know, are, are possible. Yeah. Um, it, it, it makes you think that the world is more than you thought it was. It makes you question that. Maybe you're, you're more than you thought you were. Yeah. And that opens up the mind to consider things you never would have considered before like like me saying i'm god you mm-hmm. know i never would have considered that yeah i think that that's true i i was so that's kind of where i was going like you know joe rogan 
put me on the path. Jordan Peterson like opened my mind to not all of that being like stupid and pointless. And then the psychedelic experience definitely like, uh, yeah, just like just completely restructured the way that I thought about things. But I do think that maybe the psychedelics isn't the end all be all of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, sometimes I feel like you, maybe you can like plumb the depths of that experience and you're not really going to get anything else out of it. You know, like you've gotten everything you can and any, you're just like beating a dead horse. So I thought about that too, because there's, there's these people, they call themselves psychonauts Mm -hmm. who imagine themselves like astronauts, but rather than exploring space, they're exploring their mind. Mm-hmm. And they take psychedelic drugs or they meditate or whatever it is, and they go back over and over and over into these experiences. And they try to map them out. Like, what what's here? What's it like? You know, how does it relate to this other experience? And it's like they're, well, they want to study it scientifically. Um, so I, I, you know, and every time you have a psychedelic experience, it's it's always different you know, especially if it's visionary, uh, you know, the types of experiences you have are sometimes completely different from what you experienced the time before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if it's possible to understand it scientifically. I don't know if it's possible to classify it. It's like beyond classifications. Yeah. Um, why am I saying all this? I don't know. I lost my, I lost my thread. <laughs> that happens. Um, yeah, I don't know. Oh, you said whether psychedelic experience is the end, is, yeah. the, is the, yeah, the pinnacle of it. Um, yeah, I, I would be surprised if it were if it were the pinnacle of it. I'd yeah, be surprised I'm, if it were all... I'm pretty sure that it's not. Yeah. You know, like, I think it's uh, it can be a good tool, a good, you know, you know a, a gateway to maybe whatever it is. Um, I don't even know if gateway is the right word, but, you know, something that, like, puts you on the path to whatever it is, but I don't think, I don't think whatever the truth is, you're really going to get from a psychedelic experience. I don't know if, I'll tell you what I think, what, what seems most logical to me. Psychedelic experience is a form of experience. Just Mm -hmm. like our waking life or dreams or whatever are a form of experience. I think whatever is really there whatever's objective whatever whatever you know is the heart of reality itself i don't think it's experienceable you know so if you have a psychedelic experience you're having maybe a widened experience maybe a unique experience separate entirely from your from your waking conscious experience but it's an experience it's not it's not an experience of god because you can't experience god it's not experienceable you know, it's something maybe it's closer to that experience of God. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm not convinced, but but seems likely. But I don't think it is the target. You know, I think there is something beyond that um, that's not experienceable. Um, I think the ego death is is kind of an explanation for that. So when people say they have an ego death, it's like at some point um, it's not possible to experience what you're experiencing. You know? Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's exactly right either. It's 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 not possible to articulate or remember um, the experience. That doesn't necessarily mean it's not an experience. Um, so I don't know, man. I've I've got my questions too. I got a lot of unanswered questions. So sometimes I think that you know 
you know, when you're about to do a psychedelic substance, there's like a fear, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes I wonder if that's like me, like, you know, reaching out for some kind of intu- intuition that maybe I shouldn't, you know? Maybe I'm not going to get anything else out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also heard some people talk about, um, like, once you become like a spiritual person or a religious person that maybe you shouldn't do it anymore. Um, that like, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't, it's hard to explain that, but like, it's pretty clear that taking those substances opens some kind of a door. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that, uh, if you don't understand, hmm, you know, we're talking about principle or, uh, yeah. What's the word? Powers and principalities. Powers yeah. and principalities. Yeah. It, it, before you understand that those things like move in the world in a real way, that there's not any like danger associated with it. But once you know that they're real, mm-hmm. that opening that door opens it to like the bad, the bad mm-hmm. powers and principalities too. Yeah. And I don't know. That's I think there could be something to that. I think I disagree that that there should be any prohibition of, uh, against psychedelic experience after you become sufficiently spiritual or enlightened I, i'm not talking when i say prohibition i don't mean like you know well yeah but I, I i think i think there are benefits uh to doing it you know i think there are benefits to doing it for everybody maybe um i think also so that like like on other things i'm just not as confident like i just don't maybe maybe it's not you know i could definitely i, I also people get fucked up they know? do they do you're right you're right uh, you're right. They do. Uh, even Bernardo talks about that. Yeah. Um, and I don't just mean like, I don't, I don't mean just like somebody takes mushrooms and they're schizophrenic, although that's a real thing. Um, people get like kind of, um, lost. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. they're searching for something that it seems like you're not finding it. Mm. It's not there. You know, you're just wasting all of your time. You're yep. wasting this like spiritual energy. You're sinking it into a hole. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, it could be. Um, I, I don't think anything is by itself good or bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I think everything is both. And when it becomes bad, it's that you did, you did that. That's what I think. And I think the same thing is true of powers and principalities. If you're going to talk symbolically, because that, you know, yeah. uh, that, uh, that those that those powers, energies, forces in reality um, aren't good or bad. They're both. Um, I don't know if I agree with that. Maybe. I don't think that there's... I literally don't believe that there's a difference between good and bad. I think I think the, the agent that makes it good or bad is us. Um, you know? I don't know what kind of analogy to use to, to make, make this clear. Um... Well, it's like the idea of good and evil. I was I was tr- starting to understand this as like a matter of will. It's like um, I don't know how like how far back I have to go to make this make sense. So it's always confusing. It's like um, if everything is one, like I like I like to say, um, and God is what that thing is, and God has a will. Then there's only one will. It's the will of God, and whatever happens, whatever exists, whatever is, is because of the that because of the will of God. Now, if I am saying to you that I, that whatever that one thing is that I'm calling God, I'm also. As soon as I dissociate and become my own thing, 
then I'm an ego. That's the thing that worries you when you take psychedelic drugs. That's the thing that's worried about self-preservation. It's your ego. It's not really you. It's the part of you that, that, that helps you to survive. It's the part of you that survival is its goal. Um, it breaks apart in psychedelic experience. It's the thing in you that's afraid, not you, the ego. I don't understand that exactly, but I'm telling yeah. you, but I'm telling you that's the case. You are not the thing that you are not the thing that dies in a in an ego death. You're the thing that watches your ego die. That whatever you know, whatever gem of nugget of truth is in that weird statement. That's that's what I mean. <laughs> I don't know if it makes sense, but that's what I mean. Um, okay, so there's one will, will of God, and then you dissociate. You become your own thing, your own ego. You have your own will now, and you can look at what's happening around you. That's the will of God. And if you don't like it, it's evil. If you like it, it's good. Until you dissociated from God, there was no good or evil. There was only the will of God. When you fractured off and had your own will, you then say, it is good. Right? God created the, the heavens and the earth and said, it is good. Kyle says, whether it's good or not now. Because Kyle exists. I think that's what good and evil is. It's, 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 having, it's having a will that can now oppose God. Because before you dissociated and became a self, you couldn't do that. God's will is God's will. I don't. I, I realize this is symbolic. I'm, there's nothing concrete about what I'm saying, because I don't understand it all that well. So I'm just going to talk about it like this. I don't know if that makes any sense to you, but that's what I think good and evil is. It makes sense, but I'm just not convinced that that is definitely the truth. You know, like I I I can see it. Like I don't think that it's like obviously bullshit or anything like that. Um, but I don't know. I just don't. I'm not 100% sure that that's the truth. Um, I wouldn't even say that I'm 50% sure that that's the truth. If you, if you push back against uh, reality and it burns you, you're going to call that evil. You know? You're going to say, oh, I was messing with the bad principalities. But if you, had, if you had worked with it in another way, worked with it instead of against it, mm-hmm. then it would be good and you wouldn't call it evil. Yeah. So your job is to find out how do you ride the wave? Don't go against it, you know? Are you always in control, though? Can these powers and principalities have an effect on you outside of your own control? Yes. I would, I would, I would think of that as some kind of like subconscious or unconscious um, forces. They can absolutely make you anxious. They can they can fuck with you. Absolutely. But I don't think that that... I don't think that your unconscious is separate from you. It feels like it's separate from you because you're dissociated from it. You know, I can't... I don't have any knowledge of what's going on in my unconscious. It's still part of me, and it can still influence me. And when it happens, I'm like, you know... What about the effects of, like, other people on you? I think, I don't think that there's a really a difference exactly. It's like um, the, the forces within you are just like the forces outside of you. You know? Um, the pa- I don't know. The powers that are pushing and pulling from within you that, that are unconscious, that you don't really understand, but they're still working in you. There's a conscious version of it sitting across from you right now. I'm trying to persuade you of something, trying to get you to think down my, my way of thinking. Um, I, I, I really honestly feel like there's something very similar about psychological forces within you 
and other conscious beings outside of you. You know, it's a push and pull all the time from within and without. It's like a dance, a cosmic dance that we're doing. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, I like that idea of a cosmic dance. I, I think about that as the process that, that, that Alfred North Whitehead called process philosophy or process theology, that what's really fundamental is some sort of a process. It's not a being, it's a process. Again, that's very symbolic. I don't nothing concrete about that. I don't know what that means exactly, but it seems correct. It's one of those things that resonates with my mystic intuition. It's one of those things that says, you know, it is better. It is something true about thinking about God as a process versus thinking about God as a being. What that is, don't know. That's that circumambulation. I'm chasing that thing. Don't exactly know where it's taking me, but so, something like that. The idea that God could be conceptualized as a cosmic dance back and forth between itself. Mm-hmm. Even even just what I said is poetic and makes no sense, but I believe something like that is true. And I'm searching for that always. What's true about that? That's my circumambulation. You're, I can see you circumambulating, man. So, so, well, so you said that you have, you know, you like, you to take it back to the, the, like the psychedelic thing. You take the psychedelics um, and you know, you've got your ego and your ego is what differentiates what is good and what is evil. Um, I don't know, man. I just don't like, I I feel like. I think there's people like mother Teresa comes to mind that get to a point in their lives where their ego's dead. You know, like you don't have to do psychedelics to get rid of it. You, You can, there's a way to get rid of it through, through self-sacrifice and discipline and seeing, starting to force yourself to see in the world, um, well, like, like Mother Teresa saw God, literally, in all of the little children, you know, in all of the people, and she treated them like she was, like she was having an exchange with God. I think someone like Mother Teresa um, can, can literally identify with other people like you would in a psychedelic experience, but just in her waking life. And maybe it's possible to live without an ego. Maybe it's possible to actually get to that place. You know, it reminds me of what Buddhists say when they say that they can get, they can get to a place outside of suffering, outside of attachment. You know, they don't have an attachment even to their own bodies. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. But so, so you got your ego, and yeah. that is what is differentiating what is good and evil. But there's not ever something that is always evil no yeah i don't know i don't know I'll, if i agree I'll, with I'll that tell, i'll tell you what i'll tell you why i think that because i'm a radical monotheist yeah because i believe god is one and that's the one unshakable thing that i cannot let go I'm so you can't possibly act against god um that's a weird question i i, I think the answer to that question is yes Yes, you can't. You can't. Yeah, I don't know if I believe that. That doesn't seem, that doesn't feel right to me. If God is one, Mm -hmm. then God is not all good. And we think about God as all good. What I'm saying is that the perspective of good and evil is is arbitrary and illusory. It's it's our perspective. To God, good and evil doesn't exist. It's a continuum. It's not different. Um, opposites are are united in in the deity. That's what I believe. Um, so God isn't all good. God is all good and all evil together. Mm-hmm. What that means, I can't exactly tell you. Um, 
so I so yeah so when I was when I was a kid and I started ha- questioning Christianity, the thing that I questioned the most was the existence of the devil. I didn't understand it. I thought it was if God is if God is the only supernatural being, how can there be others? It didn't make any sense to me. And in Sunday school, you get this picture of the devil as as co-powerful with God, that there's a good deity and a bad deity, and you can you can garner resistance from either party. You can uh, you can give your allegiance to either party, the good God or the bad God. And I didn't like that. I, I didn't understand that. If, if God was responsible for creating everything, so who is this other God? And, you know, it just never made any sense. And then I saw something on Twitter the other day that also reminded me of this thought pattern, which is if, if the devil only, only ever punishes the bad people, isn't he the good guy? And I also had that thought as a kid. If God creates the devil and the devil's job is to punish the sinners, the, God, the devil is a good dude. He's, not, out, he's out there doing the Lord's work. It's not really how I... Maybe when I was younger and I just thought Christianity was stupid, that's maybe how I would have interpreted it. That's not really how I interpret... Well, let's hear it. How do you interpret it? Um, that the devil is not punishing them. The devil is trying to attain them. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. It's not that... The punishment comes from God. Mm-hmm. Yep. The punishment doesn't come from the devil. The devil just happened. You know, as far as like the opposing force to God, I, I you know, I, I'm with you on that. Like, I think that that's kind of murky. I don't really understand it. But the punishment, the devil is not punishing them. God is punishing them. Yep. I would see it that way too. But that also is, is more reason for me to see the devil as an unnecessary symbol. Why is, it, why is the, the devil a middleman? The devil must not exist. We invented the devil. If God is doing, if God is responsible ultimately, then through whatever agent we pretend is a middleman, mm-hmm. matters zero. Yeah, I don't know. I think that um, maybe it's that the devil is a part of us, you know? Yes. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that there's not some kind of delineation, you know what I mean? Um, Do you think that it's possible that spiritual forces that you that you would call evil or malevolent or whatever exist apart from you or apart from the world that we have to worry about wait a minute can you ask me again yeah do you believe that there are malevolent forces malevolent forces that exist apart from you and the world Mm -hmm. that we have to worry about that can influence us i don't have a hard time believing that at all and you believe the influence comes from outside of you or it's possible that it comes I think from it's possible, yes. See, I no longer... Mm, I would say I no longer think that, but I also have this blurry understanding of the real world now. It's different than it used to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not so sure that the real world is different from from the spiritual world or that the real world is different from me. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it gets really strange and weird when you go down that hippy-dippy path because I don't... I don't believe that there's really a difference between subject and object, you know? I think experience gives us the impression that there's a that there's a subject and an object, that there's somebody experiencing. But I don't I don't think there is anything experiencing. I think there's only experience. And how you how you understand that how you reconcile that idea with a with a devil or evil forces, or angels or demons. I just, I think it's all, it's all symbols. It's all symbols to me, man. It's like you're trying to understand something you can't really understand. 
So to say that something supernatural impacts something physical, you imagine an intermediary, a, de a, de a devil, an angel, a spiritual force, but I don't know that that is the case. I don't think that model is wrong. It's all wrong. You know, you take the spiritual force, the thing acted upon, and the means in which it acts, you turn that into one thing, and that's more closer to what is real. Yeah. It's so, you know... How can, how can there possibly be experience without something to experience it? Well, it, it, you have to kind of be an idealist to understand that. You have to imagine that the world is mind, that, that all there is is mind, mm -hmm. and that what mind does is experience. And what it experiences is, is the only thing there is to experience, itself. So, so the cosmos is the, is the consequence of self-consciousness. And there's no matter involved. It, the, the, the experience of matter is an illusion. Bernardo Kastrup says, it's what mind looks like from across a dissociative boundary. That's what he says. He says, matter in the physical world is what mind looks like. It's, if I'm experiencing myself, this is what it looks like. And, and, and all of this is just mind experiencing itself. It's not real. Um... It is real, but it's not. But it's not real, you know. So it's it's you know we get they get down into this weird hippie rabbit hole that I I can't even speak my my way out of. I don't have the words to make it's it hard. make sense. Um, I think to, I think understanding that there are forces that act from with, without you from outside of you is a way for you to understand. Eventually, that those forces aren't outside of you. Uh, it's like it's like maybe it's an intuitive thing. Um, it seems like these forces are acting from outside of you. Yeah. But they're not. So whether or not the forces are acting from inside of you or outside of you, I don't think necessarily means that there can't be good and evil either. I mean, you know, I think that even if everything is happening internally, in inside of whatever the one thing is, you know, mm -hmm. that... There are ways to act to bring about, you know, I, I don't know, like a realization of that, like a, the positivity that comes from the realization of that. And there's also ways to act that bring about just misery and, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, like, I don't know, man, I think maybe like a Taoist approach to that understanding that is what makes the most sense. And I don't know if I'm totally convinced by it, but what they say is that the best way to act is to not act. The best way to be is to not be. And what they mean by that is to go with the flow. Mm. What they mean by that is um, whichever way the universe is flowing, you would do best to flow with it. And you, you understand what I mean when you're in a psychedelic experience and you're fighting it? Mm -hmm. That's the resistance. It's terrible. It's the, it's the surest way to a bad trip. If you start feeling that and you're like going, oh no, I, I want to I take control of this, you're going to suffer. That's evil. It's evil. And you suffer and you think it's bad. But it's bad because you're pushing against it. Why are you pushing against it? Just go with the flow. Um, that's the principle of inaction and non-being that you hear from Hinduism and Taoism. Sure. So it's a matter of understanding yourself and the world well enough attuned enough to go with it. But what about, I understand that in the context of a psychedelic experience, but what about people in waking life who choose to inflict misery? Uh-huh. Well, it's possible. 
Like Marilyn Manson. (laughs) (laughs) Boy. um, Because that's like a conscious decision. It is. And it's like, um, it's, I don't know. Well, it's, it's, let's, it's you as an ego. Um, when you make a choice like that to deliberately go against nature, against the flow of God, whatever, if you make that choice, I mean, you can, because you're the flow, you're God, you can do what you want. That doesn't mean you're going to be successful because you're not God all by yourself. You're God with the rest of existence. And the flow is, is, you know, try to be the one bird flying against the, uh, the cloud, you know, <laughs> the big cloud of birds that's moving around. Try to be the one, try to be the one doing not that, yeah. you know, I don't know that I understand what that means because I said something to you earlier that seems to be contrary to this and it's bothering me. It's that you learned guitar mm-hmm. by going against the flow, right? You did something hard. You grabbed reality and you twisted it until you could fucking, until you learned how to ride that, that dragon, Whatever, whatever analogy I want to Man. use for it, you you struggled against God until you had it in the in until you figured out that pattern until you got it. That to me sounds a little bit like going against the flow. You know, it's like if you're always doing the easy thing, which is which would be like going with the flow. So there's a breakdown of an, of the analogy there somewhere, but I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. What do you think? I just like I, I I do going against the flow to learn guitar is one thing. But going against the flow to convince, like, you know, like, let's say we're all, like, fractal, like, instances of the same thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, going, you know, one person going against the flow to convince the rest of the world that everything is pointless, that everything, you know? Um, I don't know, man. I mm. feel like that that is dark. It is, it is dark, but it goes back to that process thing I brought up earlier. So you can imagine this with evolution because evolution is a process. It's a process of feedback, which is important for fractals because that's how you get fractals mm-hmm. is feedback. It's also an analogy to the self-experience image that I brought up, God experiencing itself. That's feedback, just like playing a signal back onto itself. You get feedback. That's what you need to get fractal geometry. That, that Mandelbrot equation involves feedback. Um, where was I going with this? Don't know. Um, Oh, process. Process. So we talked about evolution as a process, and evolution is nature feeding back on itself. An animal, right, is manifest nature, and it has to exist in nature. So it's feedback. Nature experiencing nature. If as things change in nature, the animal has to adapt. That's what evolution is. It's a back and forth with nature and the animal, right? The environment and the animal. That's a process. So imagine your fractal universe where some of the fractals are assholes, that process that they are, the pattern that they represent, is is going to get weeded out. That's what evolution does. It takes the dysfunctional patterns and it weeds them out. So if you are an evil god, your branch of the deity will, will die out. Um, I don't have any evidence for that apart from what happens in evolution, but that's my... If, if everything's a fractal representation, evolution is giving us an example of what it must be like on, the, on all the other scales. So if nature weeds out the bad patterns, and they're not one hundred percent successful in doing that, that's you know that's why bad things happen. But yeah, but over a long enough time, that dance, that process is always going to continue, and the bad pieces are going to fade away. That's kind of what I imagine. Hmm. I know it's all super image you know laden, and it's there's nothing concrete about anything I fucking say, but you know <laughs> what I mean. Maybe 
I mean, I, I definitely know what you mean, but I just don't. I, I just don't know. You know, I'm still not convinced, um, and I don't know that I ever will be. I love this conversation. This is great. <laughs> I, I, we, we in the future we should we should take questions like this and just do what we just did and play and play tennis with it because that was fun. Yeah. But we're at, we're at two hours, so let's <laughs> wrap it up, wrap man. It up. All right. So the devil exists. Yay or nay? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe the devil exists. What, what do they call that? Quantum, <laughs> where it exists and it doesn't exist at the same time, like Schrodinger's cat? Yeah, Schrodinger's uh, Satan. Schrodinger's Satan. Well, this episode is now going to be called Schrodinger's <laughs> Satan. All right. Well, there you have it. That's one avenue explored, but infinitely more still to go. I hope you enjoyed thinking along with us. I know, I know. It's not easy work thinking it's hard and full of uncertainties but i'm grateful for the company as we trek through this together here's to hoping that the juice is worth the squeeze see what i did there let's find out together in the next episode <laughs>